This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Let's do this. Welcome to a Thursday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. And uh, man, we got a great show coming up. Let me just move my mic a little closer to myself. Um, we got an awesome show coming up today. We are going to get ready for CFL kickoff tonight, week three. Elks, I just about said their old name. Elks and BC Lions going at it at BC Place. Marshall Ferguson of CF Perspective. NTSN is going to join us a little bit later on, actually in about 15 minutes. Always love talking football with Marsh. And Jeff Feinberg, my good friend, will pop on the program. We'll talk a little NFL see what the buzz around his chargers are, um, you know, maybe uh, get to uh, his thoughts on some of the divisions coming up and we'll finish it off with a visit live from Winnipeg Jet winger, Andrew Kopp, who signed a one-year deal last week with the Winnipeg Jets to return to the club. As always, we're brought to you by our great family of sponsors, including Canadian Club, Whiskey, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Paramount Services Limited, not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Band Country Club, and Cool Bet Canada. Let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus to the program. Remo, the question everybody wants to know, or at least I want to know, how are you? And uh, how did the big playoff game go last night in the uh, Jewish Men's Slow Pitch League? Yeah, thanks for asking. I'm feeling a bit sore and uh, our two-year title reign is over. Our team uh, suffered a devastating loss in the second round. Uh, I don't know if I want to get into it too much. There was some con- controversy <laughs> as we were forced to for due to a scheduling error. We were we were forced to forfeit our first game. I've been playing sports for a long time. I don't think I've ever been a part of a forfeit. So, um, yeah, it was disappointing. But we had a good two year title reign. Uh, our squad. I actually hit went to the morning track. They got knocked down, I think, by the wind. Uh, it was one Shades of my Shades of the 2014 yeah, Media Home Run Derby. One of my hardest hit balls uh, ever. But uh, the the forfeit, our team will be putting an asterisk uh, on the trophy <laughs> this this season. I can gu- guarantee you that big big league controversy. Few things in the world are funnier than big heated controversial situations involving adult recreational sports Uh, you're you're not you're not wrong you're not wrong (laughs) and i don't know it's so silly because it's adult rec sports but i'm like in the middle of the game like our team and their team like have a bit of a rivalry i started yelling there's some beef in the league definite definite beef because like look if their team if their team said you know what four of our guys are out of town you know we can't we can't field a squad here on a day notice You'd be like, yeah, sure, no problem. Like, we'll accommodate you guys. We're all we're all friends here. Let's do it. And uh, they weren't willing to do that for us, and there was some beef. Uh, I ended up, you know, in the middle of the game, you get fired up. I started yelling F-bombs at guys on their team. <laughs> angry well, softball guy. Yeah, Remo turned I, into angry softball guy. Wow, I never thought we'd see the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I turned into I – tur- I felt really bad after, after the game, but um, – I mean, you get into competition, sometimes it changes you, so I don't, I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, it was a good run for the Glover boys. Um, I had to ask because uh, I knew you had the game last night. We hadn't discussed it yet, so uh, I was, like, keeping tabs on what's happening in the in the world of rec softball here in the city of Winnipeg. 
Uh, I did my first draft last night. It was our big dynasty auction. And in a way, I wish this was like the last one because it seems like it's there's the most thinking salary cap and contracts and stuff like that. Very, very fun. Um, and, you know, I realize now this league's been going on, I think, for 11 or 12 years. So um, it's definitely a different format. I broke the bank to get Stefan Diggs. He was one of the few top receivers that were out there. Uh, but I'm now in full fantasy football mode, um, getting emails and notifications on drafts coming up over the next couple of weeks. So I do promise we will have some more NFL content over the next couple of days because I know, or next couple of weeks, I guess, before the beginning of the season, because I do know that like many of us, you sort of catches up on you. You go, holy smokes, we're into the preseason. Oh, my draft is on Thursday. So uh, we'll talk a little fantasy with Jeff Feinberg, but we'll talk NFL. We'll talk some golf. He's always just so much fun to have on the program. We'll focus in on the Canadian Football League with Marshall Ferguson, and then we'll talk some hockey, off-season, contract, and more with Andrew Kopp of the Winnipeg Jets coming up a little later on. Um, Remo, we may as well get to, and I don't even know if this is news it's certainly interesting, and it's certainly something that we and our listeners will be talking about. It's the Andrew Harris situation with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Now, difficult to really read too much into this, I guess, but it was quite interesting to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers team account tweet out a video from closed practice today of Andrew Harris running, catching a football with the eyes emoji. Um very, very interesting. I'm still not expecting Andrew Harris to, to play this weekend, um, barring you know a, a major change from what we've been hearing. But I got to tell you, for Blue Bomber fans, at first it was Darvin Adams getting back on the practice field. Now 33 is out there. Nothing but good news for the Bombers who were 2-0 and heading into Toronto for their Saturday afternoon 3 p.m. kickoff. Yeah, we'll wait and see. And if you're setting a fantasy lineup, I'd still think Olvera is going to start. Um, Darvin Adams, I think, is the one maybe has a better shot to play. He kind of just came back in. They've been going looking good at receiver with Lawler and uh, Rashid Bailey, who caught the TD last game. Very nice grab from him and got a shout out on Twitter from uh, Meek Mill. I don't know if you saw that one. That was uh, great. That one has, yeah, that <laughs> I was pretty. That. that was pretty cool. So. Maybe Adams will come back next week. And so I think for if you're playing fantasy, um, I would rock Lawler if Adams is an output. If Adams is in, it gets, I think, a bit murkier and more unknown. But I think with Harrison Adams back, you know, when they do come back, it'll give them that many more weapons, especially I think Harris is working the receiving game, uh, blocking as well. I mean, he's really does it all. So hopefully he comes back and is able to play soon. But there he is. He's rocking that um that knee brace here. I don't know if he's worn that in the past. I'll play this video again. I don't know what the, I don't know what that means, but they showed this video. They put the eyes emoji, and the eyes emoji. That's all you need to know. It says everything, so we can <laughs> we can make our speculations based on that. All eyes on thirty three. Um, again, it was a closed practice, so um, you know I imagine the team will uh, put out a depth chart for the game uh, traveling, of course, to Toronto tomorrow. Uh, presumably doing a walkthrough and then kicking off 3 p.m. Winnipeg time on Saturday afternoon. Now, there is a game tonight, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, the other uh, biggest story in the league, Remus, has been the um, Calgary Stampeders and the Bo Levi Mitchell injury. And it was somewhat assumed, um, certainly after Bo Levi Mitchell sort of compared Michael O'Connor to a young Ricky Ray, which raised a lot of eyebrows. 
Everyone was excited to see a young Canadian quarterback get a start. That's not happening now. We've got the Calgary Stampeders depth chart, and Jake Meyer will be the starting QB in the Week 3 game at home against the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, neither of them are Bo Levi Mitchell, so I'm not sure that really changes the scenario going into the game that the Stamps are up against it and staring 0-3 right in the face. But it was going to be a pretty neat storyline for a young Canadian to go in and get a start, and apparently that's not happening. Second week in Rojas, we get all excited. Oh, it's going to be a Canadian starting. Uh, last week it was BC. Then when Mike Riley, who Nathan Rourke and Mike Riley says, no, 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 I'm I'm coming in. And this week we get all hyped for Michael O'Connor. And like last second, they start this guy, Jake Meyer. I had to look him up. He's not even listed on DraftKings if you're playing fantasy. <laughs> like I could start Cam Meredith who got cut, but uh, DraftKings doesn't quite have Jake Meyer. Uh, with the salaries, hoping for some cheap uh, Calgary stack. So I don't know. I don't know what this means. We'll have to talk with Marshall. He'll probably be more informed. But I think it's funny that two weeks in a row now, Canadian QB uh, kicked out. And one thing that is interesting, too, about this, Huss, how many teams have had to use two quarterbacks? We're in week three. Hamilton's gone with two. Calgary's gone with two. Um, BC's gone with two. That's three of the nine teams. And uh, Oh, and Toronto's gone with two. As well, <laughs> Arbuckle pulled in, came, you know, came in, and he'll be the starter. So four of the nine teams gone with two quarterbacks. And I know Paul Apolise being asked all about Matt Nichols this week. You know, they had a bye last week, and he threw for seventy yards in the win in Week One. But he, they say that he's fine, and um, they're going to be rocking good? him. Is that? So, I mean, I, I'm not they won. sure. I think Hamilton was tweeting. Well, they did. A okay. win's a win. You don't criticize a win, right? Yeah. You don't critique a W. They got the W in one of the ugliest offensive performances in a victory in <laughs> CFL history, but it was still a win, and they're one and zero going into this game. You know, um, you know, we'll touch on this maybe a little bit later on. When we take a look at the cool bet odds, but um, just paying attention to what is going on in the Canadian Football League, we kind of went into it extensively on the lock shop yesterday, but have mentioned the lines throughout the week and just how low the lines were. I mean, the Bombers and Argos opened up at 41 and a half. And that was my play yesterday on the lock shop for the weekend, the over on that number. And uh, I'm not sure if I can take much credit for it. Everyone just thought, wow, this is such a low line in the CFL on two pretty good teams. We're taking the over. Uh, but Remo, we've had seen this line move four points since it was opened at Cool Bet. Uh, 45 and a half right now, the number for the Bombers and Argonauts, which is the same as the Montreal Alouettes and Stampeders, which opened up, I think, three points higher. Yeah, where's Derek Taylor? He was the one telling us, take the over, guys. First couple weeks of the season, these teams are going to be rusty, and it hasn't gone that way. We're seeing some low lines. Um, the game tonight is the highest one of the week, 48 points, Edmonton, BC. I'm kind of expecting, you know, if Edmonton can ever find the end zone, um, Trevor Harris, he can throw for all these yards, but when they get into the red zone, uh, I saw some, you know, I think it was uh, Ben Kramer, fantasy writer, was saying that the Elks are a bit allergic to uh, scoring TDs. This season, so you'd have to think that'll even out for them. I I would see big points tonight. Bombers, Argos. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, the Argos really struggled. Uh, I thought uh, Bethel Thompson missed a lot of throws on open guys that hurt them. You know, the Bombers' defense is elite, and um, you know, the Bombers also. I mean, they had that big pick. Uh, Claros threw the pick in the end zone late, which kind of kept Edmonton or not the Toronto in it. Even though Bombers did kind of dominate them, so. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I like the additions that Toronto made on receiver with Rogers, Daniels, Collins, but uh, and uh, who is John White? Uh, what a nice TD run he had 
last John week White as well. was awesome. I mean, he was yeah. the Argos offense for all intents yes. and purposes. And, uh, you know, I'll give a shout out to uh, our pal, Nick Kowalski. Um, and Nick came on last week. Nick was also doing some photography and had an amazing shot. I'm not sure what sort of camera or what effect he was using on it, but it was a shot from the end zone uh, on the White touchdown. And I know he tweeted it out and tagged White. White was all fired up. He uh, he had retweeted it. So um, anyway, shout out to our pal Nick. We'll have to get Nick back for some Nick's picks maybe in the next couple of weeks. Um, we will, of course, get to all um, the uh, National Football League stuff with Feinberg a little bit later on. Uh, but we're going to dive into the week in the Canadian Football League coming up with Marshall Ferguson in a few minutes. Uh, Remo, before we do, though, there is a little bit of NHL news. Well, not too much. But number one overall pick, Owen Power, is going back to Michigan. He's just going to let the Buffalo Sabres mm-hmm. go through one more year, presumably, of abject misery before beginning his professional career. And you now he's on a good team. The, the, the university experience was probably very different last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really blame him for doing that, especially with where the Buffalo Sabres are right now as a franchise, but not too often number one overall picks decide that, nah, they're going to go back to school instead of going to the best league in the world and start getting paid. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, Hus, because, you know, Buffalo, their team is a mess, and do you want to really be doing that? And I kind of agree, maybe you do want that university experience, and we're going to be having another Michigan uh, hockey player, Andrew Kopp, come on, but... The thing this year, I know I normally I would say, hey, you know, go pro, get your money, try to get to free agency earlier. I think that would probably be your goal. But obviously you want to you know, develop and become better. But with the new rules in college on name and likeness in Michigan, I think is a pretty big hockey school. Maybe there are some opportunities. And I don't know if if Andrew Kopp could speculate later, like what opportunities there would be for a guy like. Oh, yeah. O- some Owen nil Power. money. Some if there's nil some, money. Yeah, some nil money. I saw you know, I saw a girl from gymnastics who's like the most followed on TikTok and Instagram got a big deal with a modeling a- agency. So there's dollars out there. I mean, even as just for, I don't know, doing appearances or selling autographs or I don't know like what you what is available. But I think maybe I think that's going to add something for college guys who are looking to stay in college, especially if you're at a big school for hockey like Michigan. So I think that's, you know, something going forward, not just in hockey, but in all, all sports. Hockey, I think, obviously low, probably lower end for ability to make money compared to basketball and football. But I think depending on your school, I mean, hockey is pretty for big sure. in some of those, like like Minnesota as well. And Well, I'll tell you what, yeah. the UND guys, I mean, the UND yes, hockey UND. guys, I mean, those guys will be, uh, you know, doing some deals in Grand Forks and Fargo in and around the province. But again, you know, it's a limited market, you know, only so many people, only so much money. But still, better than what they were able to do before, which was absolutely nothing. Um, so, I mean, I think everyone agrees this is a, a smart and the right thing to do going forward. And, you know, it could change some individuals' um, decisions. Although I, I have told this story before, and I won't mention who this player was, uh, but it was an off-record conversation uh, with a former member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers that played at a big, uh, big 12 school. And I asked him, you know, what was it like coming to the Canadian Football League after you finished college? And he goes, well, I had to take a pay cut to start off with. So, I don't know. Maybe some of these guys, at least the football guys, have been getting some pretty good money in the past already. Remo, the other, <laughs> the, the, the other, the other interesting uh, little bit for the National Hockey League is uh, 
a return yeah. visit on the cover of NHL 22 yeah. for one Austin Matthews. Uh, I get it. Austin Matthews is one of the biggest stars in the game, and he plays in the uh, – it's probably more the market than the player. Um, but what is this, twice in three years? Matthews is back on the cover? Yes. I guess all that business in Scottsdale with the lady in the car didn't uh, affect his uh, – marketability too much or certainly not to ea at least yeah here's i'll show they had the big reveal i'm a big player of the nhl been playing you know for since the early days on sega genesis so i i'm pretty hyped but uh you always like to put your marketing hat on like who's good for the cover and now they just did matthews two years ago and i don't know if this is you know saying something about the nhl that they don't have enough marketable players to put on a video game um, you know, Austin Matthews, I think he hits a lot of good spots. He plays on a Canadian team. He's a top player in the league. He's also American. And he's also heading to UFC's in Justin Bieber's entourage. So I think, uh, <laughs> I think you know, to a casual fan, I think uh, Austin Matthews checks a lot of boxes. But I don't know if that means that NHL's got another... I'll put up, pull up the trailer here. I don't know if that means like NHL's got more problems that they can't find uh, legit guys to um you know to put on the cover i i thought mckinnon would be seriously the cover like he just sitting in the hallway taping his stick (laughs) i don't know that's what they tweeted that's what they tweeted (laughs) out that's the cover i'll tell you what energy 21's uh version of the kevin shevel day off cover is a hell of a lot better than the austin matthews cover i realized this is what they conventional to put a general manager on the cover but uh that's what they tweeted out i I know know. i mean that's what i saw too like that that's the cover maybe maybe Uh, there's a new maybe there's a new feature in the game where you actually have to tape your own stick work on uh work on your equipment before the game before you go out and play it's in the game I can pull out their website. Uh, that like that's the cover of, like the X Factor edition. This is the standard edition. I don't. I have no idea. That does seem like an odd picture. A guy like not looking at the camera, taping his <laughs> his stick. If you're listening to the podcast, that's what the picture they're choosing is. So oh, yeah. Uh, I don't. I'm I'm curious curious how it's going to be. It's uh, if you are a gamer, Hus, it's a new uh, game engine this year. So it's you know people say. I could be laughing. It's the same game every year. This is actually going to be a different game. We'll see how it plays. The graphics look very cool, but I really don't care what the graphics are. I'm more about how do we is have the game to fun. get now? Do we have to get the next generation consoles to play this? No, you can play. They have the new graphic, the new game engine on uh, you know PS4 and Xbox One, and then if you buy it on those, you also get the free upgrade when you upgrade to you know the Xbox Series or PS5. Uh, okay. So where you are you at? Where where when are you going to get the new? Uh, although um, I mean, I still think it's tough for people to even find PS5s. I, I mean, yeah, I think it's tough for people to find them. I think I'm I'm I think I'm probably a year a year away. I don't think I'm going to do it this year. I think next year I'll I'll do it. Maybe the price will drop more. And I just don't think the I just don't think that there's a reason to upgrade if the same game is going to be on the old generation. <laughs> Gitch, great line. It's the Niku rookie card of NHL covers. Yes. You know, just in the civvies, not on the ice, not doing anything else. Uh, <laughs> hey, what's up? What's up with everybody in uh, in chat? Hey, there's James Robinson, uh, wrench doozer. It would have been better to have a picture of McDavid flossing his teeth. Um, oh, hey, there's Nikolai Baranov. Aren't you impressed with the way I can read the Cyrillic, uh, Remo? Nikolai is back. Oh Hello, God. everyone in Winnipeg. What's up, Nikolai? Hockey season <laughs> just around the corner. 
great to yeah. have you with us. Here. Ch- here, Chuck Winnipeg says, why not Nathan McKinnon? Because Nathan McKinnon doesn't approve of playing video games in your free time. Nathan McKinnon <laughs> wants you to be working out, keeping your body, you know, in good shape and eating healthy. So I, I don't think uh, I don't think video games is a productive use of time for <laughs> Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> You know what will be a productive use of our time talking CFL football with my man, Marshall Ferguson. Uh, we'll get to that right away. Hey, I see Leighton Janice. Leighton was our big winner of our first I Love Rye package from Canadian Club last Friday on the program. Leighton, I uh, have not forgot about you. I believe I'm picking up your prize and some more stuff this afternoon. So I'll hit you with the DM and let you know how you can pick it up. Make sure you're with us tomorrow. Um, it's not a home game. But we will have a little something for the end of the show. We always like to end Fridays like that, so we will do that. And a big thanks to Canadian Club for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Of course, Canadian Tub is the, uh, Club is the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, we've seen quite a few CCs and ginger ale and CCs and Coke poured at the stadium in and around the Brugal Ramahat and by the Jim Beam Stillhouse. Uh, you can maybe even have a little salsa tequila as well. It's all there. Uh, part of the family, but Canadian Club, great sponsors of ours. And we have an amazing, amazing Canadian Club contest heading into Banjo Bowl. Make sure you're paying attention next week on Winnipeg Sports Talk, and we'll let you know more details on that. Um, and a big shout out to Royal Sports. Royal Sports, I've told you many before, uh, many times before, um, it, it has been with me since day one of doing anything in this space. And that, of course, was the Shaw NFL Sunday Ticket Show. And with NFL season coming up uh, and with what we're doing here at Winnipeg Sports Talk, I'm going to save this t- till tomorrow. Uh, but we partnered up with Royal on something that uh, I know many of you have been waiting for and many of you are going to love. Um, I was down at the store yesterday. They are ready for hockey season. My God, the amount of sticks and equipment that's there is, uh, frankly, overwhelming. And the merchandise ready to go for the upcoming season. Um, if you're thinking about maybe a Nate Schmidt jersey or Brandon Dillon, uh, or just want to get some great bomber gear for the next game, or getting ready for NFL kickoff, it's all there at Royal Sports. And again, we'll tell you tomorrow about something very exciting we've done with Royal uh, that I think you're going to want to know about. And of course, our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ, the weekend is just about here. Doesn't look like it's going to be very summery. Uh, and that might mean just a trip to DQ with the kids, some blizzards, maybe a couple burgers, and then back inside if we're getting this long-awaited rain. Um, four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. The Nick and Nikki DQ group. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, we are back at it tonight with CFL football on TSN. It is the 0-2 Edmonton Elks taking on the British Columbia Lions. And maybe the most noteworthy thing about the Lions, they got a new owner yesterday. Let's uh, kick it around with our man, Marshall Ferguson. We're going to see him doing some games on TSN this year, and he's covering the league top to bottom at CF Perspective. What's going on, Marsh? How are you? I wasn't hungry until I saw that massive blizzard floating in behind you, Hustler. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking there might be a little uh, mid-afternoon trip down the street to the DQ here in Hamilton. How are you, buddy? Uh, I am well. I'm well. You know what? People are excited around here. I mean, what a start for the Bombers. I mean, you give up 13 points in two games. And we've sort of joked that that's been a big story so far, the lack of scoring, March. But, I mean, CFL offenses score 13 points in two minutes at times. And uh, two games. Let's just start off. What would you thought about the Bombers so far through two? 
I've loved Zach Kalaros. I've never seen him so comfortable in my life. And I'm talking even through Hamilton, when he was very clearly going to be the MOP moving forward. There's a lot of things that are, are nice about Winnipeg's offense. I think the, the offensive line is the heart and soul of the thing. We know that they can just beat people up up front. But outside of that, the thing that's really jumped out to me is Kenny Lawler and his progression. And it was really reinforced by what happened in the second game where in the first you're going, okay, yeah, I expect him to put up some numbers and Darvin Adams isn't in. And you start to think about how good they might be once Darvin Adams is back. But now I'm looking at it and thinking, well, you know, he's really the point of emphasis in every key situation. If it's fourth quarter and they want to move the football through the air, he's the guy, everything runs through him. Uh, I was just crunching the numbers right now, actually, before I came on, on second and seven plus, which is the metric that I use to judge kind of where quarterbacks like to find their best guys when they got to pick up chunks of yardage. He has 43% of Kalaros's targets right now on second and seven plus. That's the highest percentage of targets in that situation of any receiver for their team in the entire league. No quarterback locks in on one receiver more than Kalaros does to Lawler on second and seven plus right now. And that tells me the amount of trust that they already have developed between the two of them. So those are the things that I like right now is, is there's trust, there's experience in Kalaros leading the offense. There's a big old line out in front. And that doesn't even talk about the defense and how many things are possible when you've got a front seven where Willie Jefferson's dinged or he's tired for a snap. That's fine. I'll take him out and put in 266 pound Jonathan Kongbo at defensive end. It's like, well, that's a nice luxury to have. And well, I'm going to take out Kongbo. Let me put in Tiadric Hansen. And oh, look, he just got a quarterback pressure. The one snap he played the entire game. Well, you know, at linebacker, we might be a little bit thin. I think Jesse Briggs is going to have to play in that spot. Goes in, plays out of his mind, plays great on special teams, like always seven year veteran out of McGill. So there's not a lot of weaknesses right now. I mean, if you want to really nitpick, you might say, well, I wonder how the kicking game is going to develop throughout the season. Are they wasting a roster spot by dressing Legio and Crepina? Should they settle on one? I mean, that's nitpicking. There's there's teams that would love to have the issue of, we have two good kickers. Which one do we pick? There's a <laughs> lot of teams with a lot bigger issues right now. So Winnipeg is sitting pretty, and I can't wait for Labor Day and the Banjo Bowl to, to look ahead and see Saskatchewan, Winnipeg going at it, I think is just going to be incredible theater. The question on the defensive side of the football was the DBs. I mean, the mm-hmm. secondary, that was where the losses were. And I mean, man, Alford Nichols so far through two games have um, shown that they were ready to go. And I guess that's what happens when you bring 30 DBs in and have a legit competition for a couple jobs. You hopefully find a couple guys, but certainly seems like Kyle Walters has done just that. Yeah, and Walters, I think, is, is really good at talent evaluation. And Richie Hall has been around the block 15 times. So he knows what he's looking for and what he needs in his defense. And yeah, I think, to me, DeAndre Alford has been uh, a revelation because I didn't necessarily expect this. But we know from being around the CFL that the way roster construction typically works is you draft offensive line, defensive line. You get a couple of skill position guys here and there. You got to have a franchise quarterback. You got to have a consistent kicking and punting game. If you're lucky, you get a spicy returner who can mix it up and take it to the house a couple of times a season. And then at the defensive backfield, it's usually a bit of a crapshoot where you bring in a bunch of names and you hope that some of them make plays. I mean, Hamilton, when I was covering them exclusively, was in that situation a couple of years ago. And what came out of that was Richard Leonard. Like That year, they were looking around and going, we don't really have a field halfback. We're not sure what we're going to do. Let's bring in four or five guys. Same thing. Put them through the ringer. Gave them an opportunity to make some plays. Leonard made the most plays, got the job, went into the season, made a bunch of interceptions, signs a nice free agency deal in Calgary, and now he's going to be starting there, ex- expectedly, for the next couple of years. So, yeah, it's I like that approach with the defensive backfield. I don't typically love 
the receiver, uh, you know, the, the competitions where you put in six guys and you say, well, let's see who comes out the other side. Cause that's a comfort thing of working with the quarterback. And that typically doesn't allow for as much smooth transition from player to player, but the defensive backfield, go ahead, put a bunch of guys in there and see who's willing to, to fly around and make some plays. And yeah, they've, they've done a good job on the back end, but I'll also say again, that front seven is so dominant getting to the quarterback. It makes the defensive backfield's job, I think a lot easier because all of a sudden they're jumping routes and they're getting to play aggressive. And the only time I think that we've seen a shot over the top of the Winnipeg defense thus far was when Jeremiah Masoli on the very first drive of the year took that shot to Ackland down the left sideline and scored the only touchdown that Hamilton scored that whole game. So uh, they they it's certainly all three levels of the defense working in combination with each other right now. Hey, Marsh, speaking of the Ticats, I don't think anybody saw 0-2 to start the season. No. Um, uh, what's the what's the mood around the team right now? And what are people saying in the, in the hammer? Yeah, I haven't talked uh, to a lot of people around the team, to be honest. But at this point, from what I've watched and the way that I've broken things down, I think that there's a couple of primary issues. Uh, and the biggest of them is that they're not the team that you all think that they are. And I, what, I, what I mean by that is not that you know they're frauds or they, they don't have the same uh, belief system or coaching. They have all that stuff. They're not the same human beings. Like we all think of them as well. 2019, they make it to the Great Cup and best season ever in Tigers history, and 15 and three and undefeated at home. And they're bringing everybody back. And then we get to 21, and everybody's going, yeah, they're going to have great continuity and they're going to make a lot of plays. And then you go, okay, well, now you've got Ted Laurent out. There's a backup in. Now you've got Dylan Wynn out. That's both of your starting defensive tackles. Jagger Davis is operating on an end where now he's getting doubled as much as an offensive line possibly can because they don't have to worry about the big bodies inside being those veterans that know how to play in the CFL. Now let's go to free safety. Okay, Tunde Adelike was a CFL All-Star. He's out. Dalvin Bro, boundary corner, best in the CFL, retired. Uh, just the idea of all of these pieces that you think are there and the Ticats logo says, ah, I remember them. They played really well. And they're not that same team. Uh, the other thing that I think is is troublesome right now is the offensive line, just because they are inexperienced across there. Chris Manziel coming back helps, but he's still, I think, a little bit dinged up. Kaokafor is struggling right now, but again, he played AC Leonard and Willie Jefferson in the first two weeks. I'm not going to call anybody out for struggling against those two guys because they'll make you look bad twice a week on Sunday. So I look at it as being offensive line banged up on defense. And the one thing that really jumped out to me tracking the throws for Jeremiah Masoli, Usser, he has not completed a pass in the 17 yards that go from hash mark to hash mark in the middle of the field, okay? This is the entire middle of the field. Anybody who's ever stood on a Canadian football field knows <laughs> we got a massive amount of field between those hash marks. He has not completed a pass between the hash marks beyond six yards from the line of scrimmage. And he's very rarely attempted a throw down the middle of the field from hash to hash beyond six yards down the field. That doesn't make any sense. Why, any theory on why that would be? I mean, that's just a bizarre statistic through two yeah. CFL games. Yeah, and to me, that was the one that jumped out as I'm watching it. And you go back and you watch some of the film to realize why. And I think it's the offensive line. Because if you have a sound pocket, you can stand in there. And it's not like Masoli's going to be one of these six foot five, six foot six monsters who stares over the top of the defense and takes hits. He's going to move around. He's always going to operate from outside of the pocket. They're rolling the pocket, I think, a little bit more than they have in previous years to try and protect him. When June Jones was in Hamilton, the plan was... Let's go with a seven-man offensive line. Let's go with a tight end. Let's bring in Landon Rice as the seventh. Let's maximum protect seven, eight-man protections. And June's whole idea was, we're just going to beat you with three receivers. 
Because if you're going to end up deciding to blitz with eight of your guys, let's play a game of three on three. And that's what June Jones loved to do with Hamilton. Now, Tommy Condell is approaching it. He wants to play more of a typical five wide, six wide, four by two quads to the field. He wants to do those those normal things, but he's got a protection issue. So now he's trying to move the pocket and he's taking quicker throws. And that's not allowing for those Braylon Addison skinny posts. And not to mention he's been out with the knee injury. But DeVere Posey's not in there either. Brandon Banks looks like he's dinged up a little bit, keeps grabbing his min section after every play in the first couple of games. So they're not attacking the middle of the field. And again, if I'm a defensive coordinator, and I know that because they know way more than I do, they're watching way more film and tracking this stuff. They're saying, okay, well, why would we waste having a free safety in the middle of the field then? Because they're obviously not going to get the time to attack the middle of the field. If they're going to give us that, then let us attack them by either blitzing more playing more of a cover two type shell look where you're just splitting the safeties, leaving the middle of the field open and allowing your defense to attack a little bit more. I mean, it's it's upper hand defenses right now. It really is, I think, against the Hamilton Tiger Cats for a variety of issues. But I just think that they're not getting the time to explore the middle of the field. And that's really limiting the offense through two games. Marshall Ferguson, a Canadian football perspective with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Marsh, I do want to talk about a very interesting piece you wrote in the first couple of weeks at CF Perspective. But before we do that, the other two 0-2 teams, um, mm-hmm. the two Alberta teams, Edmonton, I, I think you can certainly say Edmonton has worse losses so far this year and the way they've done it and the way they've looked than Calgary. However, Calgary is now missing Bo Levi Mitchell for what looks to be six-plus weeks. Where should the panic button be pressed harder? Calgary uh, Edmonton. That's a great question. I mean, it's for me, you know, if Bo can come back – if he drinks lots of milk, as he says, and his bones heal up a little bit faster than we expect, then perhaps he'll be able to get them back just after Labor Day in four or five weeks, something like that. But you never know with a bone. Everybody heals differently, obviously. So I think the biggest concern right now is Edmonton, because in Calgary, I think we saw this coming a little bit, where we said they don't have the Juwan Briscasons and the Eric Rogers and the Devaris Daniels and the Reggie Bagleton's gone to the NFL with the Packers and, 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 and. And you start to see some of the retirements. I didn't think Neil Casatati was a standout offensive lineman, but when he retires, you lose an integral piece. Shane Bergman was another one on the offensive line. When he retires, okay, you've got good depth with national guys that can step in. Justin Lawrence has done a good job early in the season. They've got an American over there at right tackle now. And you start to realize like they're they're piecing it together in the same way that I think Hamilton is piecing it together right now on the fly. In Edmonton, yes, they've had to go through a little bit of offensive line turnover and, uh, you know, the odd player that's got a season-ending injury in training camp, but it hasn't been devastating. And we knew the type of team that they were going to come out as. We all knew, at least I thought, what Jamie Elizondo plus Trevor Harris plus Greg Ellingson meant. I'm not really good at math or science, but I do know that when you put those three variables together, good things happen offensively. And... So far, it has not been great. Uh, I would say it has not been good. It's been pretty mediocre through and through. And I, again, (laughs) just the things that jump out to you when you're going through the numbers and trying to do some research on this. Inside uh, the score, or no, actually, it was second and seven plus was the same area I was looking at on the field. Second and seven. Right now, the Edmonton Elks, Hustler, have twice as many sacks given up as they do targets for Greg Ellingson. On second and seven... They have, which again, Ellingson's a big play guy. He should be able to get you those chunks and he should, just like Hamilton I was talking about, be able to work the middle of the field 
where he can pick up those yardages that He's you need to move He's been automatic at times in his career with Trevor Harris. Yes, and it's always over the middle of the field, and it's in Elizondo's offense, and it's with Harris delivering the football. So you start to think, okay, second and seven, he's a go-to guy. Well, I understand. Mike Benavides is a smart defensive coordinator in Ottawa. He's not just going to give you whatever you want. He's going to double Ellingson. He's going to roll coverages towards Walker, whatever. But that still doesn't excuse the fact that through two games, now you've got on second and seven, four sacks given up and two total targets for Greg Ellingson coming out of a game where he has one catch for one yard. And the, the only two times they've thrown vertically to him, one of them was incomplete just because it was slightly off. The other... Greg's running down the left hash and it's double coverage. And the old rule as a quarterback, which I always violated, which is why I'm talking football now and not playing it, <laughs> is that you never throw a vertical pass into a vertical defender. That was a rule that Steph Patatsik, John Behe, the people that were great at McMaster taught me when I was learning the game. If you see a vertical defender, you don't throw vertically. Why? Because you're just throwing directly into where the guy is at, right? Vertical defender just means he's over the top. He's got deep coverage. And so Greg Ellingson is running down the left hash. He thinks he's got man coverage, but there's a safety over the top. Harris throws it. Ellingson shuts down. Like he, he turns off the wheels and he's like, I'm not going to go get that. Like there's no chance for me to any Ellingson's not the guy that's going to throw Trevor Harris under the bus and flail his arms and freak out and throw a tablet on the sideline. He's just not that dude, which is a good thing for Edmonton because he could do that. But he's being put right now early in the season, I think in situations that He's not going to have success. So we're all focused on the storyline and the stat line of Greg Ellingson. It's really about how the process of Elizondo calling the plays, Harris executing the plays, making the reads, is affecting Greg Ellingson's stat line. It's not that he's not getting open at times. It's just that he's not being put in smart situations to win on routes or being targeted when he has a good chance to win on those routes. So for me, it's Edmonton because they have the pieces. They seem like they're relatively healthy, unlike some of the other teams that are struggling. And yet the results still aren't there. Now, BC place is a pretty fast track. Like you go into that place against BC on a Thursday nighter, Ellingson could go for eight catches and 120 yards and two touchdowns for all we know. But until I see that, I'm going to believe that they're struggling right now and they got to find some uh, some answers that they don't know quite yet. Well, while you mentioned this game, I mean, let's touch on it quickly. Um, you know, the BC was, I think, a four and a half point favorite. It's three and a half now. I mean, it is two games, and you know, you were always you don't want to overreact too much. But this is, I mean, I would say it is as cl- calling it must win is probably an exaggeration in week three of a fourteen game season. But for Edmonton going in a divisional matchup against BC that just beat Calgary, um, I would imagine that the level of urgency it it, it should be there for Edmonton um, because this is a huge game for them tonight. Zero and three with a loss to BC is going to be tough to come back from. Yeah, no doubt. And I was watching, there's a clip on TSN.ca right now that people can check out that is uh, the sit-down interviews that were done with Elizondo, Ellingson, and Harris. And I watched it a couple of hours ago, and the interviewer uh, asked, are you concerned? Are you nervous? Do you feel the pressure? And every single one of them said, nope, nope, nope. Like, they just by and large, nope, this is not the time to be worried. This is the time for us to figure it out. And I think there's some truth to what Jamie Elizondo said in that clip, because he He referenced the fact that you never know when a storm is going to hit your team, but the reality is every single year, every single team gets hit by a storm. It's just that some teams get hit in weeks one and two, some get hit in eight, nine, some get hit 14, 15, 16. So they believe that they have hit their storm early in the season. Now, the question is, is that storm self-created or is that storm something that 
they won't be able to weather going forward here. And I was on a conference call earlier this week and Matt Dunnigan was talking about the fact that people don't realize necessarily that haven't played professional football like Dunnigan did battling through 14 seasons of pro ball that professional football, everybody thinks it's about who can score the most and who hits the biggest and all the rest. He said, it's about survival and it's about whether or not you have the mental fortitude to realize that everything you think at the start of a season is going to be great it always crashes and burns by week two, week three, week four, week five. There's always something catastrophically wrong unless you're blessed like your Kansas City Chiefs many times there, Hustler. But when I see the way that usually football seasons unfold, your right tackle tears an ACL. Your kicker breaks a leg. Uh, you know, your coach doesn't have a great understanding for what the offense actually needs to accomplish. Whatever the problem is, there's not been a team in the history of professional football that has started a season won every game, gone all the way through, never had a single injury or a single issue and gone, well, good for us. We won the championship and then you just move on. So the idea that that's going to ever be reality is a fallacy. And I I like that Dunnigan basically painted it as if you are Edmonton right now, you have to be a little bit nervous because you have to realize that going forward here, there's not going to be anybody to bail you out. Whatever the issues are you're dealing with, you got to attack them. You cannot be passive. And it reminds me as well of something Pinball Clemens used to say. I'd listened to him speak a couple of times at some different events in the GTA, which was you got to over communicate because when human beings do not get the communication that they need, we innately backfill our minds with the worst possible outcome. And so, you know, if you're talking to your buddy and uh, you don't hear from him for three weeks, what do people do? I, something must be wrong with John. I don't know. I haven't heard from him for a while. Well, why do we do that? Maybe John just doesn't want to talk to you, right? Like there's there's natural human, I think, psychology that plays into all of this. And so for Edmonton, I would love to see them in this game against BC way over communicating, like talking endlessly to each other on the sideline, on the field. Uh, Elizondo needs to be in Harris's head and on his ear every single time he comes off the field, progressing, figuring things out. Because I think that's better than the alternative, which is let's go in, do the same thing we've done, and let's just hope that it's good enough. Because it's been good enough in the past, but this is a different situation. And I think Edmonton, the sooner they realize that and attack the issues they're dealing with, they'll be much, much better off. Hey, I've got to quickly, uh, before we get to your piece, I've got to ask you about Calgary. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you've been, as a Canadian quarterback, I mean, you've been a proponent to give these guys opportunities. Two weeks in a row, we thought we might see them and it's not (laughs) happening. What gives? Uh, What do you make of the decision and the the depth chart with the stamps? I was sad. I was sad when I didn't see Michael O'Connor out there listed as that. And it also, it makes you wonder why teams sometimes list the back, not even a Canadian thing, but why do teams list a backup as a backup? And then when the backup gets a chance to start, they go, just kidding, still backup. It's like, but why wasn't Jake Meyer the starting or the backup quarterback to Bo Levi Mitchell the first two weeks of the year? But yeah, I, I think Michael O'Connor has an excellent skill set. I think he would have played well uh, going into the game on Friday against Montreal. My only concern for him, and just because I know Mike a little bit from being around him at the Combine and watching a lot of his UBC tape, and my head coach at McMaster, Steph Patatsik, was his offensive coordinator at UBC, so I talked to him there a little bit. And the thing that Everybody has come away from Mike with, and you can see it if you watch Bo Levi Mitchell's press conference from when he announced he had the broken leg. Mike doesn't have any emotion. Like there is not a single, you can't tell whether or not he is just, uh, you know, seen the birth of his first child or committed a murder. You can't tell. Flatliner. He is so, and, and like you might say, well, at quarterback, that's fantastic, right? Never too high, never too low. That's great. My thing is if my football team is 0 2, 
and the skill sets are even remotely similar, which I can't honestly tell you. I know a damn thing about Jake Meyer. I'm excited to find out about him, but I haven't researched him. So I don't know what his true skill set is, but based on the assessment of their coaching staff, if they're remotely close and I'm 0-2, I don't think I'm putting the flatline guy into the huddle because that is an equation for disaster where something goes wrong in the game. Inevitably, again, somebody's going to fumble. Somebody's going to get hurt. Someone's going to end up picking off Michael O'Connor. The next drive out, can you lead a huddle as a young Canadian quarterback who doesn't show any emotion for an own two football team playing at home if the Boo Birds come out? That, I think, honestly, is a, a huge part of the decision here to maybe not go with him is his leadership and the way that he speaks in the huddle and the way he carries himself might not necessarily be at this point in a place where if he get down, they don't want to put him in that place. They don't want to make him vulnerable because I think they're interested in his long-term development and this team right now in Calgary might not be the best spot to long-term develop somebody by starting them. Marshall Ferguson, a Canadian football perspective, is with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, I, I will, if you haven't already, if you were a CFL fan, you're definitely going to want to be hitting cfperspective.com on a regular basis. Uh, always enjoy, I mean, a lot of the content, but especially your analysis, Marsh. And, you know, the piece that you put together this week was sort of what everyone's been thinking. Where has the scoring gone in the first two weeks of the season? And mm-hmm. it was an interesting perspective from you. I guess the question is, you asked it, are the defenses really ahead right now or are the offenses behind? I mean, what gives? And, and when are we going to see some normal totals? Yeah, so the the thing that I uh, have been thinking a lot about through the first two weeks, when I see the CFL and TSN guys on the panel and they're discussing the fact that defenses are ahead and usually they are this time of year. I agree. Like defenses are usually ahead, but this year coming out of a pandemic, right. And dealing with quarantine and everything else that everybody's been going through in the CFL and the long training camps. I don't think the defenses are ahead. I think the offenses are behind. Uh, And I know that that sounds a lot like semantics and me just, you know, making up spitball and a take and trying to be wordy. What I mean by that is that when I see the way that the defenses are playing. Yeah, they're flying around. They're making plays in the football, but it doesn't seem like they're playing at a significantly higher speed than the offenses. The offenses look slow. Like quarterbacks, I think across the league are missing more throws than they usually do. I think the timing is a little bit off with receivers. I mean, Bo Levi missed a bunch of time during training camp because of the the hams or the uh, the groin injury that he had. Arbuckle missed time because of the hamstring. Uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson getting used to all these new receivers that he didn't have in 2019 in Toronto, Masoli and Evans battling it out, but there's no Addison, there's no Posey, there's Brandon Banks taking days here and there. You got guys coming in from all over the place that are younger, that are lucky Whitehead transitioning to a full-time receiver in BC. Across the board, the whole league, with maybe the exception of Edmonton, again, 0-2, Montreal, nice start. You've got new faces in new places, and they're trying to figure each other out. And again, on defense, I think that you can put a bunch of guys in there and say, okay, here's what we're running. Let's communicate with each other. And it comes down to athleticism and competing in one-on-one situations and understanding concepts. Well, all of that stuff still applies to offense, but you also have to understand where the guy next to you is going at all times and reading his body language coming out of an outbreak and knowing where he likes to catch the football. Is he an overhand catcher, underhand down low, away from defenders? Does he know to settle down in zones? There's so many little intricate things that go into offensive football I just think that they haven't figured it out as of yet. I think it's going to come. The the amazing thing in terms of kind of the statistical or analytical breakdown that I did was I looked at the first two weeks of 2019 and the first two weeks of 2021. 
and, and I and I looked at at them both, and and I thought to myself, well, maybe it's the play calling. Like maybe something's dramatically changed with the offenses. Maybe we're being more conservative. We're running the ball more. The percentage of plays that are called passes is exactly the same at sixty eight point three percent. These are different teams, different years, different rosters, different coaching staffs. Both of them, 68.3%. So it's the exact same game plan across the board through two weeks for all these different teams from across the country down to the decimal point. Then I moved on and thought, okay, well, it feels like when I'm watching the games back and tracking all the throws, quarterbacks are being really hesitant. So I started to look at how many throws are happening at or behind the line of scrimmage, and it's about 5% higher than the same time period in 2019. Okay, that tells me that offenses are a little scared to stretch the field. Then I extended that out to 10 yards and lower. And again, it's 5 6% lower. So by and large, I think what's happening right now is that offenses are getting their feet wet, getting their rhythm down. And until they're really comfortable, the names like Masoli are not going to stretch the middle of the field. You're not going to see Riley and Bo Levi comfortably pushing the ball down the field and taking those big shots, those explosive plays that typically win you Canadian Football League games. What we're seeing is these teams trying to figure it out And what that means right now is they're taking the shorter, more conservative, smarter, higher efficiency throws. And once they actually get comfortable, get into a rhythm and get more opportunity to understand the players they're working with, I think the offensive juices will start to flow. But I don't think that happens before Labor Day. So if you're taking the under, I think on a lot of these games, as people have been and everyone's been talking about, I'd feel pretty comfortable saying keep doing that until at least Labor Day through weeks three and four, I would think. Well, it's just funny with some of these numbers. I mean, the bomber Argo game hit the board at 41 and a half. Yeah. I mean, I jumped on the over on that. I just think that there'll be enough point. But the funny thing is, is over the course of two days, it's now at 45 and a half. So once you get to that number, I wouldn't be surprised if the it kind of ends up in the middle somewhere. Marsh, um, this has been so much fun. I do have to quickly ask you before we go from the three down game to the four down game. Mm-hmm. You're a Bills guy, right? I am. Yes. What's the... Uh, What's the feeling of the mafia right now as things get going? I imagine it must be incredibly exciting after what happened last year with Josh Allen and the Bills. Yes, but I'm also terrified because once every couple of years you read an article uh, that says that the Bills are threatening New York state officials and saying, if you want a team, pay up. Uh, And I do believe at some point that's going to become an actual threat that's going to have real weight behind it. Whether or not that's this year, I'm not sure. I choose to be blind on that and just focus on the football. And yeah, it's... We were so spoiled. You know, my son was born September 23rd of last year, and I have gone my entire life without watching the Buffalo Bills be a legitimate contender to go on a deep run through the playoffs. And I had my boy, and, you know, they're getting into the playoffs there at the end of the regular season, November, December. He's three, four months old, and, you know, we're basically watching Bills games together for the first time. And I just kept looking at him going, Dude, you have no idea how good you have it right now. <laughs> I'm like, you all you know is Bills winning football games. I'm like, you're you got no idea what JP Lossman looked like. I'm like, this is this is an unholy thing that I've been through for 20 years, and I've enjoyed the hell out of it because it's one of those things where when you love a team growing up, it just sticks with you and it doesn't matter how they do, you're always gonna ride or die with them. And that's me with the Bills, but it is it's exciting to see them in the conversation of teams that 
will have a chance to compete. That's all Bills fans ever ask for is, do we have a chance to compete? Because for so long, the answer to that has been, no, what are you, stupid? Absolutely not. So having an opportunity is is very, very exciting. Well, I got to tell you, that division is really interesting. I mean, you know, we've got, you know, rookie quarterback in New York with Zach Wilson. That'll probably be a work in progress. I mean, a Dolphins roster, the top to bottom might be, better than the other teams with the exception of that very key position we're waiting for Tua and then there's the Pats and I mean that was a very strange season for New England last year they have reloaded you'd have to think that they'll be more competitive than they were last season uh and it's going to be a lot of fun but uh, a lot of Bills fans around here too Vikings still the the top team yes uh but it's an exciting team and just seeing what goes on around Bills games Pretty easy fan base to uh, to pull for. Marsh, thanks so much for doing this. Always great having you on the program. Uh, just quickly plug uh, where people can get more of your analysis, CF Perspective, and uh, when are we going to see you calling the games? Yeah, I appreciate it. It's good to be on with you and catch up and talk about all this stuff. Feels like the first two weeks have been a blur, and we only get uh, you know 12 more games out of each team, unfortunately, until we start going into off-season mode, which is going to happen way too quickly. But uh, yeah, I'm at TSN underscore Marsh on Twitter, and Instagram is where you can find me, at CF Perspective, Canadian Football Perspective. we got five podcasts uh, weekly. We're going all weekdays for you right now and pumping out all sorts of good stuff for you, analysis pieces and all that good stuff. And then in terms of games, uh, I'm very excited that I am fake-calling the Bombers game at TSN headquarters coming up this weekend. So I will be stuck in a closet somewhere getting some reps in uh, on doing the TV call of Toronto, Winnipeg. And then uh, we go live next week, BC at Ottawa on Saturday, August 28th, I think is, uh, is where we are at for that one. And uh, I'm really excited to just be a part of the team. And, you know, it's not about me and trying to be a, you know, big TV guy and all the rest. It's just about sharing the evening with everybody and enjoying a Canadian football league game. So I hope that I can, I can do that and uh, entertain people and uh, give us all a great experience to enjoy the game. We're so lucky to have back. Oh, dude, you're going to do an amazing job. Cannot wait to see it. It's been a lot of fun with my good friend, Dustin Nielsen doing, uh, doing some of the games and to get you on as well. It's, uh, it's just awesome to see. Listen, have an awesome weekend. We'll catch up soon. And, uh, Best of luck in the closet this weekend and Thank next you. weekend with the real deal. Yeah, it's going to feel a little different, I think, in the booth than it will in the closet, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Thank you, Hustler. I appreciate it. <laughs> Take care, you. dude. That's great. There he is, Marshall Ferguson, CF Perspective. Amazing site if you are a Canadian football fan. And uh, be sure to give Marshall just some great analysis. A former player and a former quarterback got a great mind for the game, especially the three-down game. We're going to stay with some football. Don't forget Andrew Kopp of the Winnipeg Jets coming up a little bit later on. And one of my favorite dudes to talk to about uh, football, golf, and much more coming up in just a second. Um, do want to give a shout out to uh, one of our newest sponsors, Paramount Services Limited. Paramount Services is a full facility maintenance company serving commercial HVAC, plumbing, electrical, handyman services to all of your favorite convenience stores and restaurants in Western Canada. And they're working 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and they've been doing it for almost three decades. If you or your business is looking for a one-stop shop for kitchen or cooler supplies, there's one spot to go, and that's Paramount. Anywhere in Western Canada to help you out, give them a call and ask for Carrie O'Brien, or you can find out more at their website at ParamountServicesLTD.com. And then, of course, they're always looking for qualified techs who specialize in HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handiwork. Go to their website and submit a resume today. And, of course, they are a member of the local Plumbers and Pipe Fitters Union. Um, also want to give a shout-out to our friends at Not Autocorp. I told you about that Tesla I got a ride in last. I want to go back and actually give one of those a spin. If you're thinking about a new vehicle, 
um, before you do anything, pick up the phone and talk to the experts at Knot. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? They've got an incredible variety on the lot. They'll seek out the car that you want. And if you're in one now, they'll help you get maximum value for it through their consignment program. They'll service your vehicle. They'll detail it as well. Really one place for all your automotive needs. It's not Autocorp, Waverly, and McGilvery. And online at not.ca. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't look like it's going to be patio weather this weekend. So you might want to take advantage of uh, today and uh, get out over to uh, your local Boston pizza because summer is here and uh, the new summer menu is in effect both on the patio, in the bar, and in the restaurant and available for delivery or takeout. The new Burger Italiano, the Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich, and some amazing summer cocktails including the White Sangria Smash, the Peachy Mojito Royale, the Galaxy Fishbowl, and the Bulldog Margarita Fishbowl. Summer's here at Boston Pizza. Bring your appetite. Sunglasses optional. Well, it is about that time of year when myself and Jeff Feinberg will be discussing the upcoming NFL season and, of course, some golf as well. Uh, but, you know, fantasy drafts are happening. We're making bets for the upcoming season. And there's a lot of excitement around uh, fan bases of all 32 teams. So let's bring in the man himself. You know him from the Pat Mayo Experience, the Mayo Media Network, Odds Checker, and the Jeff Feinberg Show. The list keeps growing for my good friend Jeff Feinberg. What's going on, dude? Uh, it's, uh, same shit, different day. Huh? Still the middle of heels together. And it would be the middle of September, buddy. Well, that is, uh, that's where we're at. And uh, just around the corner, I, I have to ask you, and we've had these conversations before, and I mean, I don't want to go cussed on you and start cursing things, but um, so far, so good for the Chargers through training camp. I mean, there's been a lot of you know horrible stories in the past. I don't want to bring up the PTSD, but uh, so far, so good? There hasn't, yeah, so far, so good. Like, I would sign up for the sort of health they've had, but, like, the knickknacks have started to come, Huss. A lot of guys have been watching practice the last couple days. An important uh, uh, team scrimmage versus San Francisco. Uh, some guys aren't participating, so we'll see. Fingers crossed. Like, I need a couple more weeks of good health before I breathe on that note. No, absolutely. Um, uh, let's talk about Derwin James because I think when we are talking about the AFC West, you know, we'll talk about the quarterbacks first and foremost. But I think a healthy Derwin James could be one of the most impactful players in the division, frankly, and in the entire league. Um, where is he at right now, and what are the hopes of the Chargers for Derwin this season? First and foremost, staying healthy and staying in that lineup. Yeah, I guess that would be number one. But beyond that, the hopes are pretty high. He's going to be the captain of the defense. He'll be the one doing all the communicating hustler. He'll be the guy that might be lined up at safety, might be lined up at linebacker, might be there right with a defensive end. So Vernon, is, I mean, Derwin is the ultimate weapon, and hopefully he can stay healthy and if he can then the chargers have a chance to be um a real threat and and the type of defense that are going to make quarterbacks just that split second extra have to wonder about what they're going to have to do uh when they call hut uh and of course justin herbert was one of the great stories of uh last season and you know it was kind of funny we were talking about herbert um last week i guess coming out of week one um where 
Mike Riley was supposed to start for the BC Lions. And then the next thing you know, they're throwing a rookie out there. And in a lot of ways, it reminded me of week two against the Chiefs last year when Tyrod Taylor got that uh, ill-advised shot, which punctured his lung. And, you know, Justin Herbert famously goes into the into the huddle 15 seconds after finding out they needed there. And Hunter Henry asks him, what the hell are you doing here? Um, for a guy that came in in such a strange situation, um, when you look back at last season, I know you get a big smile on your face because it does seem like this team actually does have a quarterback that you can be excited about and can legitimately have you contend going forward into the next 10 years. I've gotten, you know, just out of sheer boredom hustler, I've watched a lot of the snaps over from last year. And the thing that I enjoy the most is just hearing how the commentators who are like watching him for the first time uh, you know, be it Romo and Nance or Collinsworth and Michaels, you know, what have you, like whether it was the an A team, a B team, a C team, like of a crew was just like, yeah, wow. Um, the guy's got it. That being said, I'm nervous. The ceiling is now being set pretty high. I, you know, have reason to be excited, but I, I'm pessimistic in some ways as well with how it could play out. Hustle. I could see him maybe statistically not being as good, but actually being a better quarterback. I will say so much is being made of how beneficial um, a full proper offseason would be, a proper training camp, and, and those those sorts of things um, for, say, Tua, because he didn't have that sort of success last year. But I would argue those things are also incredibly beneficial to a quarterback who had um, lots of success just being able to do that, have that sort of routine, albeit no preseason snaps. Well, the preseason at this point, you just want him to get into game number one and be feeling good and be ready to throw the ball like he did last year. Um, I know there'll be some people just we will move off the chargers in a second. Um, fantasy wise, uh, Eckler, I imagine, will be a, a guy that you know people want to have in their lineup, especially if they are doing uh, PPR leagues. What about the receiving core? Who, uh, how are things shaping up, and uh, who's going to be catching the balls? And you might, I mean, you know, with the changeover at tight end, I mean, how will this offense maybe look different? And what should fantasy guys know about the Chargers? Yeah, I, I will say it's rare for me to be go into a year bullish on, say, like Mike Williams, which I was. Granted, Hustler, it seems like he's already dealing with an injury, so take that for what it's worth. Their third-round pick, wide receiver Josh Palmer, has kind of been the talk of camp from an offensive perspective, as well as rookie left tackle Rayshon Slater, who did play in that first game and had 21 uh, snaps, didn't allow a single pressure. Josh Palmer uh, had six receptions and has really... Uh, taken the early mantle on the YR3. So for your deep dynasty or your, your deeper leagues, YR3 on the Chargers, um, you know, is a, is, a, is a competition a lot of people have a lot of interest in. And there were guys like Johnson and Guyton that rised up last year, but it does seem to be Josh Palmer in the early goings of camp. Although I wouldn't start running to draft him just yet. Herbert didn't play in the game, and we do know he does like hitting those guys, those other guys over the top. So uh, we will see. I got to tell you, the charger for fantasy that I am most 
bullish on that will outperform its ADP. I got to admit, Huss, is that Chargers defense? Uh, you know, they're going to go late. They can be very sneaky with a defensive-minded head coach. If Bosa and James play games together, I expect them to sort of have results similar to what it was a couple years ago. In the very limited time, those two actually played games together. Um, so I'm excited about the defense mainly in terms of something from a fantasy perspective that's going to outperform certainly where you got to draft it. Jeff Feinberg is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Talking a little NFL, we will get to a couple golf topics before we finish up the convo. Uh, but before we leave the AFC West, I mean, the Chiefs have been the team to beat. The Chargers we've just talked about is the, I believe, the, the next threat. And to be honest, I'm on the over for win totals on both of those clubs. And part of it is that I don't think much of Denver or the Raiders. Where are you on the other two teams in the AFC West? I still fear Denver, Huss. Uh, I do like that roster. If they can get competent quarterback play, they should be um, something to deal with. I am. I'm, I don't have many nice things to say about the Raiders. <laughs> like, I, I don't. Um, I think they have one of the worst head coaches in football on a, like, let's rank where they probably belong in 2021. Not, you know, like we all have great memories of Gruden, but it's a really awkward situation there. I'm not really high on them. There's a lot of turnover that went on there. They, they did a lot of weird things with their offensive line. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. I think the Raiders will be a bit of a pushover, but I'm not sold on Denver going away. They're always such a good home field advantage um, that, that, you know, they win those home games and they can steal a nibble or two on the road. I expect them to be competitive. Uh, I'm not, I'm yeah, that's where I am on Denver. I think drew lock stinks. Full disclosure. Um, Is Teddy two gloves going to be the guy in Denver? Do you think? And, uh, and when will that take place? If so, I guess competent quarterback play sort of can change their outlook. So I would like you kind of expect it to happen sooner or later. Uh, but I could see why they want to give, you know, locks rocket another chance or two, but I'm with you. I, I, I don't think the answer is drew lock. I, if they're going to start drew lock, then all the power to them. Uh, they'll, they'll probably be more of the team you expect them to be. Uh, Jeff Feinberg, let's, uh, let's talk about the AFC East for a minute. The Bills are the beast of the East now going into this season. We haven't been able to say that since the 90s. Uh, where are you at on the rest of this division? The Dolphins with two at quarterback, the uh, Jets with a rookie, and the Patriots, who for the first time in a long time spent quite a bit of money on free agents, including your pal uh, Hunter Henry. Yeah, one of the more intriguing divisions in all of football, Huss. I'll just put it out there. My favorite future of the NFL calendar right now, which I still believe is available, is I've got a pretty nice piece on Sean McDermott, twin coach of the year, at 18-1. to 1. With that thought, um, I'm going on the fact that he lost by a nose hair to Stefanski last year, a rookie head coach who, you know, he fixed the Browns. Well, I believe if it's close... Sean McDermott's going to win any sort of coin toss for that award this coming year. He's almost going to get um, like a body of work recognition for getting that award. If you believe the bills are going to be great, I believe that's the best bills future to make looking at their 
AFC to win number, looking at their Josh Allen to an MVP number. Um, so that's my favorite future in the entire league in terms of, you know, a nice little payout McDermott coach of the year after the bills. I still think it's the dolphins. Everyone, you know, I, I have this bit that's kind of lived its own truth with Tua, but I like, I don't, I expect him to improve. I don't expect it to be like a fart in a win. And that team, I mean, we if I think Denver can get away with some median quarterback play, Miami certainly is just going to need some efficient QB play, Huss, that special teams, the defense, the coaching. That's a fantastic roster. As someone, If you're a Bills fan, a Jets fan, a Patriots fan, like I would argue your best bet is like seeing Tua be just good enough as opposed to being really bad and then showing him the door and getting Deshaun Watson. That'll be your worst nightmare, I promise. Uh, what happens in New England? Like many people, I, 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 I'm sitting on the fence here. Like there's no result there that would surprise me. Last year, people spoke about them like they were a three or four win team. They actually won seven games despite everything that went on there. Seems like it's a much better situation, you know, that in terms of the roster, the COVID, uh, you know, guys returning. Belichick, you know, he's going to coach him up. There's no doubt about that. I, I, I am more bullish on them than most. But if the floor does come there, I'm not shocked. But I don't, I don't dislike them one bit. Like I'm not picking on them at all. Week one versus Miami, that's a game that to me is as intriguing as any on that week one calendar. Well, and and that game could absolutely be the difference between a team making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. It's going to be that tight. Uh, how long of a season is it going to be for our pal Tim and the New York Jets? You know, I like Tim, their coach. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good to see, uh, I, you know, walking that sideline with confidence. It seems like they may have made a good hire there. I don't know. The Jets fans are weird. There's a lot of doom and gloom that I guess comes with being a Jet fan. Uh, you know, I don't know what to make of Tim. I sent him a video of Chris Sims, like really talking up Zach Wilson. And his response to me is, woo, Aaron Rodgers 2.0. So it's just a little nugget of good news. Makes him go totally, like, lose his mind, Huss. So, I, you know, some people think they're going to be horrible. And some people are like, don't pick on the Jets. I'm not ready to pick on the Jets. I like the Jets. I like a lot of moves they made. Although that Carl Lawson getting carded today, I haven't seen an update on that. That's not a fun. That's not a fun thing to read on the internet in the middle of August. Let's uh, let's turn over to the NFC for a second. Um, speaking of futures, the team that I think is given the best value right now um, is the WFT, the Washington Football Team, plus one seventy to make the playoffs, plus three hundred to win the NFC East. And if you really want to have a bit of a long shot sprinkle, they're twenty five to one to win the NFC. This is a team that comes with as legit a defense as you'll find, I think, in the <laughs> NFC. And now Fitzmagic gets in there and will give them, we've talked a lot about competent quarterbacking. Um, if he can do that, well, what your thoughts on WFT and just that division overall? Because 
I fading the Cowboys has been very lucrative to people if they've done that consistently over the last few years. They're always a favorite. They're always a big public team, and something always <laughs> happens to blow it up. I will say the schedule draw, like I've been thinking about week one versus WFT for the Chargers for months. It's not a fun draw. If you're a fan of any team, I don't think that's like the draw you wanted to get. Not that it's not a winnable game, but that's just not a game you wanted week one. It's on like road, starting right? a golf course on like a 530 yard, like uphill par four. <laughs> Like, oh, man, I could put up a number here. They could hurt a leg. Like, they could do something that really Fs my whole day slash season sort of, you know, way to start it, Huss. Uh, I think they are real in many regards. I only can't get over the fact that every single time Ryan Fitzpatrick has been brought in to be, like, your quarterback, it's never worked. It's never worked. He's anytime like the X, the season starts with expectations in a positive way for Fitzpatrick. It's never worked. He only seems to get the most out of himself when it's this like backup hero magic um, role. So I, I don't know. I'm hoping for a few Fitz ducats in that game. And that's something you'll always got to fear, but yeah, if they can control the football, they're going to be bad news having to deal with them. I'd hate to have to play them twice. Uh, Jeff, where is your money going in the NFC West? To me, this is maybe the most interesting division that you could make a pretty salient argument for all four teams to finish on top. Yes, you certainly can. Uh, you know, Stafford, one of the most intriguing stories in the entire league this year. It's almost like his career is going to be defined by the season hustler. Um, there are people that can't wait to see him, what he'll do out of Detroit. On the flip side of that, this is a guy that had Calvin Johnson, the greatest receiver of my life, of my life, of my life. Okay. And he couldn't win a playoff game with Sue and a great defense. So like, do we give him a free pass unfairly? Maybe Meh. we'll see. Uh, Arizona could light it up. I'm going to, I'm crazy enough to trust Pete Carroll in Seattle, though. I think that offense is going to be like insane this year. So you want if I got to pick a winner, I'm not betting it, but I'm going to pick Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and those Seahawks. Hey, uh, just you, you mentioned uh, it's funny. The one team we didn't mention is the Niners, who had a lot of books are the actual favorite. Um, interesting quarterback battle there with Jimmy G. When does Trey Lance take over? Who are you high on amongst this rookie class of quarterbacks coming in? Yeah, I mean, I'd hate to be the Jets, like having to have made the first pick after the obvious QB one. You know, it's like four guys go after. You've got to make that call. Um, like a lot of people, it's easy to like the Trey Lance steam. Like you see all that raw stuff. The guy hasn't played football in in. It, you know, he didn't even play last year. He's never run a two-minute drill. I'm pouring a little cold water for like what it like. There's people in my feet talk like that want their MVP Trey Lance bets. <laughs> so I'm seeing it's like crazy. So he's the one with the highest expectations. I'm gonna be crazy enough and support my guy Tim and say Zach Wilson. Like I think he's getting sort of picked on unfairly. He's in a really bad spot, but 
I like Zach Wilson, the way he slings that football, Huss. It, it really impresses me. And an ability to extend plays. I, I don't know what to make of Mac Jones. I, I don't know. I like Justin Fields as well. But but Mac Jones, I, I don't want to draft guys that do that that have that skill set. It's going to work for anyone. It would be Bill Belichick. And exactly. <laughs> yeah. If they can make it work, it will be them. And, you know, and how long Cam Newton is the guy, even if he is the guy in week one, I think is still something we'll be following along. Um, who, uh, who do you like in the NFC overall? I mean, if you're, uh, if you're putting a sprinkle down on a team to win the NFC into the Super Bowl, where are you going? Jeez, that's a, <laughs> I got no money on an NFC future right now. Hustler. Um, it would probably be, I would sort of shoot for the moon with uh, probably Seattle, which is, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, yeah I think that's where I, I, I would shoot for, for the moon. Tampa scare as scary as anything too. returning all those players. Everyone, every starter. It's, I don't think that's ever happened before. Yeah, it's so it's so crazy. So I guess Tampa could be the easy choice. I don't want to go there. Um, Seattle, I don't know. There was a lot of noise there this offseason. I think they're going to be great. I really, I really do. I think a, uh, I think Metcalf is going to be like unstoppable. He's my favorite receiver, maybe in the league this year in that tier in fantasy for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, all right, we got to talk golf for a minute. Um. You've had a great season, by the way. Congratulations. A lot of winners. A lot of uh, our listeners making a point of uh, tailing you have um, seen their accounts go up. Uh, who were you on? Uh, what was the card looking like for the Northern Trust this week? Yeah, it was it was heavy, Huss. This is the last, like, real event of the year. And, you know, after the majors, it's probably maybe the hardest and best. So I exposed myself pretty bigly for this one, Huss. Um, guys with pulses, uh, Vic, Finau, Hideki, Rory had a frustrating morning, Berger, even par. It does look like it's incredibly windy there. Some dark clouds were, were moving in. Um, scoring seemed real tough this morning. Although, you know, Harold Varner, the third, everyone's favorite guy got, got her going, got her going, but Harris English, uh, you know, I've done a lot of content in the last week, Hustler. I didn't bet Harris English. It always feels like metrics show that there's great value on betting him. Uh, so I'm already regretting not. But, like, shame on anybody who didn't have this guy as one of, uh, what, six freaking captains picks in any of their Ryder Cup preview contents last week. Even debating him, um, I felt, was a little rid- rid- ridiculous in some ways. Well, I mean, he has had it a monster year. And speaking of Ryder Cup, uh, how about our guy Kiz on the weekend? Now, thanks to Adam Scott for one of the most epic choke jobs of all time, you know, four-footer to win the tournament and hands it over after playing the way he did. But Kiz is a guy. I'll tell you what, Kevin Kisner is a guy that I would want on my team in a match play event like the Ryder Cup. Is he going to be there? No, Huss. I don't want to. I mean, if he has a great FedEx Cup, he can get there. I, I'm not here for that, Huss. I got to say it. I got to be honest. I think there's some big misconception 
about like why Europe is successful, that they go off the board potentially and take team guys. No, they literally just take the 14 or 12. Uh, they literally just take the 12 best players like available to them. Literally. Yeah, the guys at the back end happen to have that great team skill set. But if I'm USA Golf, I think this young era of USA Golf, um, you know, yes, Spieth has been there a bit and JT has been there a bit. But but I think we all agree we're sort of in this new era of a torch that has fully been passed. And I think they have to be allowed to let American superiority, American exceptionalism rise to the top and overwhelm Europe with nothing but but just sheer talent, especially on a course like whistling, whistling straights. Europe, they're just taking the best players. I think America should do the exact same. I don't think they should tinker. Uh, they lost. They won and Hazeltine. This these young guys. They lost in France. They're one and one. They're one and one. Let them like go be dominant. Uh, you go, if you if they can't win this one at Whistling Straits when Europe's only got one player in the top ten of the world, they can do whatever they want. They can start going to the corn fairy to pick guys, I guess. But you've got to give this new like group of Amer of USA golf. I think Phil will be on the team. Dustin is a bit of the old guard that that you could argue is responsible for. I don't mean individually responsible, but has seen been a part of like losing like so many of the last 10, whoever they want to put it. But you can't put any of this on the other guys. They deserve a chance. To, to be dominant, and that's the team I would send, a team that can dominate. Well, I cannot wait for it coming up in just over a month at Whistling Straits. Are you going? Ryder Cup. I am waiting for the tickets to show up right now, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm thinking, uh, you know, who knows where we're going to be. I get I'd like across to the get border. there myself. I'd like to get there my myself. I've given, uh, I, I mean this relative to my, like, little bubble. Given up a lot. In the last year, I'd like to treat myself. I'd like to get there. I'd like I'll, to get I'll there. I'll keep you. I, once I have those things in my hand and I know that they're there and we can get across the border, we'll have some speaks. Hey, um, listen, are you doing a show tonight? Uh, nope. Tomorrow afternoon, we'll sweat that cut. Again, the last cut of the season, Huss. Next week, only 70 guys. Then it's East Lake with 30. And yeah, we're at football and Ryder Cup. So, I'm excited. Golf season was exhausting. It's gotten exhausting, but the finish strong. I'm excited. Football's here. I'm fired up. Just that pure adrenaline this time of year, like puts into my soul. Well, listen, it was great to have you back in the program. We'll have to do this, uh, hopefully on a regular basis throughout football season, because I love these chats. Uh, you have a great one tonight, man. I'll look forward to uh, the show tomorrow afternoon after we're done here. All the best, Huss. <laughs> right. And there he is. My guy, Jeff Feinberg at G Feinberg 17. Give him a follow and um, uh, just a, a great dude. Big charger guy, uh, amazing golf handicapper, and just a great friend. So lots of fun having him. Andrew Kopp coming up in a few minutes here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. I uh, want to give a big shout out to I, I know Dallas. I saw Dallas in the chat. We uh, you know wished him a luck big getting married on the weekend. I know he's uh, going out with his brother and some friends for a little golf before the big day. And um, having a few 1919s out on the course as well. Shout out to Little Brown Jug uh, making that great beer we love to talk about here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. The flagship brand, the 1919, and the Summer Variety Pack, which has been so popular, including the Summer Ale as well as the Hefeweizen. 
uh, the summer lager, I should say, and the Hefeweizen. You can pick that up at Little Brown Jug at the local bottle shops, or they'll deliver it to you simply and easily. Same day order uh, order by 4 p.m., same day delivery in the city of Winnipeg. And you can do that easy and quick at littlebrownjug.ca. But if you are looking for a spot on the weekend, although it might be pouring rain, uh, anytime you're thinking about a patio, pop downtown and check out the uh, the brewery at on William Avenue. Great patio. They've got uh, entertainment as well. You can check the events page. Uh, but it's great to have Little Brown Jug on board with us here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. And if you haven't tried it, next time you're looking for a cold beer, try the good stuff, Little Brown Jug. Um, big shout out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. I did not, I had one of the nearest... Uh, I was a heartbreaker last night. Uh, I was trying to go back to back with sort of long shot triactors, had the first two and my third horse just got nipped at the bud, but man, it was fun. I was in a fantasy draft last night. I went back, watched the races on delay on the YouTube channel, saved a lot of time doing it, had a great night. It really is a fun way to uh, kind of follow what's going on at Cinnaboya Downs. But the good news is you don't need to do it on YouTube anymore because live racing is back and so are fans Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday each week. Head on down to Assiniboia Downs with your proof of vaccination. 50% capacity in the lower level as well as outside on the tarmac. And you can also hit the VLTs open from 9 until 12.15 every day. And the Terrace Dining Room is open as well. But you do need to make a reservation. You can find out more at asdowns.com or give them a call and get set up. The food's amazing and there's no better view of what's going on at the track than in the Terrace Dining Room. We'll get back to the duel at the Downs with our head-to-head picks between Remus and myself coming up on Monday's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And we just talked a lot of golf with Jeff Feinberg. We mentioned the Northern Trust, first round of the FedEx Cup playoffs, the top 125. And there is our guy, HV3, Harold Varner III. He's at five under par, four under is Justin Thomas, Harris English, and John Rahm. They're all playing together, it looks like, and they're through eight holes. So real nice start for that group. Uh, Cam Champ, Vic Hovland, Pat Cantley, and Canadian Mackenzie Hughes all in at three under. Also, my guy Tony Finau. And we moved down a couple other Canadian flags on the leaderboard. Corey Connors is one under. He's tied for 29th. And the guy that probably needs the biggest uh, weekend is Roger Sloan. Tough start for Roger. He's three over par, and Adam Hadwin is four over par. Of course, our golf reports brought to you by Breezy Bend. Um, it was great to have Ken on board yesterday talking about uh, the rounds that he's had out of Breezy. All the work they've done on the course coming together may even be playable. Some of the new work they've done by the end of the season. It certainly will be for next year. If you're thinking about a great spot for you and your family to make a golfing home, think about Breezy Bend. You can call Corey Johnson at the golf course to get on the waiting list or find out more at breezybend.ca. So we do have Andrew Kopp coming up in a few minutes, um, but let's get Michael Remus back in here. Uh, man, that was a great CFL conversation with Marshall Ferguson and always fun to have Feinberg on, chopping it up, a little NFL preseason talk, and uh, of course, the end of the golf season. A lot of thank yous in the chat for some of the picks that Feinberg made this year, made a lot of our listeners some scratch, dude. Yeah, I saw BA writing in chat that uh, Feinberg has helped win him win some money. I've had other people text me, Man, Feinberg really knows what he's doing when it comes to golf betting, and he's helped them win as well. So uh, pretty uh, pretty incredible uh, the skill that he has at the golf. 
Yes. Well, speaking of golf, this is actually going to be a, a perfect segue into our uh, into our next uh, interview. We will get to our cool bet lines in a couple of minutes, but uh, it looks like we're about to welcome in Winnipeg Jet forward Andrew Kopp into Winnipeg Sports Talk. And if if my eyes don't deceive me, this is live from a golf cart somewhere. Andrew, what's going on? How are you doing? And uh, how's the round? Uh, really good. Uh, we haven't gone off yet. Try to get this in before we teed off. So. Uh, my partner's out there in the driving range right now getting ready, so uh, hopefully this puts me in the right mental mindset. Excellent. Well, listen, it's great to have you back on the program. Uh, let's uh, uh, let's go back to last week. You got the deal done. Uh, one year with the Winnipeg Jets uh, seemed to be a very different process than you went through a couple years ago, of course, going to arbitration. Um, from your perspective, uh, are you pleased with the deal, and how did it all come together? Yeah, I think I'm happy. Um, you know, I guess I was originally looking for a four or five year deal, but once we added uh, Schmidt and Dylan, there just wasn't a whole lot of cap room available. So um, I guess my alternative was was one uh, to give me the unrestricted free agency next summer and to kind of uh, bank on myself basically having another good year and kind of continuing to trend upwards. And uh, we'll see where the chips fall then. But uh, I mean, really, just as of right now, just concentrate on the team and, um, you know, getting back to Winnipeg and and having a good chance of winning this year. I think, you know, we, we got a lot better this off season. I think losing Appleton is going to, is going to hurt for sure. But, uh, you know, some of the additions we made are going to help us a lot and, uh, just excited to get back and get going. Yeah. I mean, Andrew, you mentioned those additions on the blue line. And I think uh, certainly the fan base and the media have been talking about it. I think that, you know, the team realizes that that was an area that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets were hoping to improve from a player's perspective. I mean, you had to be happy hearing that those two guys are coming to town. But of course, with your personal situation, not having a contract yet, uh, it did complicate things as far as what was available in the short term to get done with the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's I mean, part of part of me coming back was was the excitement about the team. You know, like I I feel like I could have pushed for, you know, a trade or something else to try and get the long term deal and. Um, you know, something that I felt I've earned over the course of my career, but, um, with the additions we made, uh, you know, I, I really wanted to, to, to come back and, and try and make a run here. So, um, like I said, really excited about, you know, the, the additions on the back end, obviously Helly and Nat is, 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 you know, one of the best goalies in the league, if not the best. And we feel really confident in our forward group. Um, so uh, yeah, I think we're, you know, really looking forward to getting back and get everything, get everything going. Like I'm saying. What uh, what was the group chat with the fellas uh, like when uh, first Brendan Dillon was acquired and then Nate Schmidt the next day? Well, I think the old guys were still in the in the team group chat, so I don't think it was it was getting too out of hand. But uh, you know, it, obviously, I, I know Schmidty a little bit from um, our work in the NHLPA together, and then um, Dylan te- uh, texted me right when my deal kind of came through. So we uh, yeah, I've had a little bit of conversation with both those guys. Know Schmidty pretty well. Have heard you know, nothing but good things about Brennan Dillon. So I think we're excited to get them in the room and kind of see what our team ultimately shapes out to be. You know, it's funny. We had Schmidt on, uh, Nate Schmidt on the program yesterday. Uh, he was joining us live from the Twins game. Uh, credit to him for finding a great spot to do the interview. I mean, that guy, I mean, we... That's what I heard. That's what I heard. I ch- I, I checked with Brownie to make sure that this was okay from the golf course. He said Schmidt did it from the from the Twins game yesterday. So I'm, I'm in the hey, clear. Hey, listen, you're sounding great, and uh, we appreciate you coming in. We got to work it around around the tee time and all that. But I have to say, I had never interviewed Nate Schmidt before. We saw him and his, um, you know, the uh, the first visit with the media, I guess, here in Winnipeg after he was dealt. 
Um, that guy is just a, an electric factory. I mean, he is just has the most energy. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he's going to bring a lot to the club on the team. But um, for, from a teammate's perspective, are you excited to have a guy like that with that personality and the amount of fun he brings to the room? Yeah, definitely. Especially, you know, in the dog days, January, February, to have that guy that kind of that loosens you up, uh, loosens up the room, brightens up your day a little bit. Um, it is important to have those kind of guys. So, um, yeah, schmitty has got a lot of energy, like you said, and he's kind of, a he's, he's not really a loose cannon by any means. He's, he's very focused and very dialed in, but he's definitely one that keeps the locker room light. And, um, you know, with some of the competitors that we have on our team that get ultra serious, I'll put myself in there. It's definitely nice to have, um, that balance of, of, of personalities in the room. And I think that kind of what makes, our, our room pretty dynamic and pretty special. Andrew Kopp of the Winnipeg Jets is with us. Andrew, back to your situation. You did mention that, you know, at the outset, you were looking at, you know, hoping to do, you know, a longer term deal of four or five years. Um, is it safe to say that you're still open with that? I mean, you'll have the opportunity to talk to the Jets at on January 1st. I mean, is that something that if things go well this season, you're still open to? Or the fact that you're already on this one-year deal, you know that you have unrestricted free agency at the end. I mean, is that going to be something you think about come next July? I don't think I'm going to try. I'm really going to try and not think about that as much as possible, I think. Um you know, I just want to, you know, I feel like I've gotten better every year in the NHL and I want to do that again and, um, you know, help the team win. So really going to try hard not to focus on that. Um, those chips will kind of fall throughout the year and throughout the next off season. Um, but I'm just kind of worried about, worried about myself, worried about the team and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to get this into a, you know, a, a deep playoff run for us and, and have a good year and kind of just continue to get better. Well, I mean, and I'm sure you've paid attention to guys like Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow. I mean, some of these guys that, you know, went and, you know, got a pretty good opportunity to show what they can do for teams playing deep into the playoffs. And I mean, there could be nothing better for your personal situation as well as everybody else for this team to take that next step and uh, be one of the final teams playing late into the spring and summer. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at like Zach Hyman, too, obviously, it's one of those guys um, that, kind of re- was rewarded in free agency to know. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, try not to think about it too much, but you did see what happened this summer and, um, you know, guys like me were kind of rewarded. So hopefully, you know, have another good year and, and then just kind of see where the chips fall. Like I said, just trying to concentrate on uh, myself getting better at hockey on a day-to-day basis and, and trying to contribute to a, a lot of team success. Uh, last season was uh, was a really weird one for everybody playing, you know, in front of empty buildings, and uh, of course the sweep of the Oilers, and then the the loss to the Montreal Canadiens. How's the off season been for you? And did it take? Was it was it different? I mean, obviously the timing of it was a little different, but did it feel different after finishing this season than a, a normal season earlier in your career? Not too much, honestly. I mean, for me, it was nice to get back to to the U.S. just to see friends and family and. Um, quite frankly, the U.S. was a lot more open than Canada was. So I was able to do a little bit more and, and be a little bit more social. And uh, I think that's just kind of been the calling card of the summer is just to try and, you know, spend a lot of time with family, see all your friends that you maybe haven't seen in a while. Uh, you know, I've had a few weddings, so I got to kind of catch up with people there and uh, be a part of, you know, some of my closest friends, special days. So it feels like everything's just kind of jam-packed. But, um, you know, training and hockey is still, you know, the, the the forefront of the priorities and I uh, just got back from Toronto actually skating with Shife and Wheels with Adam Oates so 
um, yeah, I feel, feel like, uh, it's been a little bit different in terms of trying to fit things in, but, um, no different in terms of hockey being the priority and, and trying to just work on my game on a day-to-day basis. Hey, if you could, I'd love to know, tell us about, uh, you know, hooking up with your teammates, Shifley and Wheeler there in Toronto and the sort of things that you guys are getting into in the off season to uh, prepare yourself for, uh, well, an exciting season coming up. Well, I can't give away too many secrets, but we, yeah, we were together the last three or four days, uh, skating with Adam and, um, just kind of trying to work on some things that, you know, maybe are, are weaknesses for one guy or strengths for another, and just trying to kind of get better at hockey at the end of the day is just to, you know, make sure that, you know, I'm doing the right things on and off the ice, making sure that I'm, you know, working on things that, you know, I need to improve upon and still trying to improve my strengths. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to give you too much, too many details on what exactly we were working on, but it was definitely nice to spend a few days with, with those guys and get, you know, lunches and dinners and, be on the ice together and all that. So we're definitely looking forward to getting together in a month's time. Andrew, now that uh, your contract is done, Pionk is signed, uh, Logan Stanley signed, and Dylan and Schmidt are there. You're talking with the guys. I mean, how would you characterize the uh, anticipation or the excitement within the Jet dressing room of what this team might be capable of next season? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of that, but I don't think we're trying to, you know, put too much pressure on ourselves at the same time. You know, we're, we're excited to get back together. We're excited to see what our team looks like. Um, but we're not going to win the Stanley cup next month. So, uh, we know it's going to be a long and, uh, you know, hard process. And, you know, after playing only 55 next year, getting back to 82 games, it's a, it's a long season. So we're just excited to get back together and kind of get things rolling. But like I said, we know we're not going to win the Stanley cup next month. So, um, you know, it's going to be a process, but we're looking forward to starting it off. I imagine another thing that you're probably quite looking forward to is uh, getting back out onto the rink in Winnipeg in a fan in a building full of fans, as opposed to the uh, <laughs> the atmosphere you played in last year. Yeah, definitely. I think you know you definitely got some chills around like the first, you know, maybe even just the first preseason game, honestly, where um, I'm sure the fans will be there early and be loud. And um, yeah, we're just really looking forward to getting back to to you know a sense of normalcy and uh, the atmosphere in the rink that is just so hard to replace so uh, we're really looking forward to having the fans back in the building and makes hockey just that much better hey when you're back at home in the summer i mean do you do any skating and training back um at the university of michigan and out armor and uh, and maybe just a comment about that hockey program which has always been a powerhouse but i mean when it comes to the draft i mean number one overall number of top five guys i mean uh, seems like it's really turned into the factory when it comes to NCAA hockey right now. Yeah, I mean, I skate a little bit there. I've been more at the U.S. program, actually, the past little bit, um, skating with kind of the Hughes brothers there, uh, some of the other guys, like Kyle Connor, Hellebuck, uh, that Beneers kid. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of good players in the area, but, yeah, obviously the, the draft success that Michigan just had is, is, is unprecedented, so... Um, we're really looking forward to seeing how, how they do this year and kind of seeing the progress of all those guys towards towards the next step. Uh, I have to ask you about fantasy football. Uh, is the league set right now? Who's the commissioner? And uh, what's going on with the team's <laughs> league for the upcoming season? Yeah, I'm the commissioner. I got to get on that, actually. I've been bugged by a couple of guys the last little bit about when's the draft, when's the draft. So kind of been on the road a lot the past probably week, 10 days. So I uh, I got to put that draft together here in the next few days and get that rolling because uh that's that's a fun time of year for sure well absolutely yeah what are the thoughts i mean i I know you're always a big brady guy um you're from michigan i mean uh who's your team right now and how are you feeling about the upcoming season (laughs) well the team is always the lions um which uh come playoff time i have to pick a new team every year but (laughs) um 
I'll say, I mean, I like, I like Brady a lot. So I think when Tampa's in the playoffs, I'd, I'd be rooting for them too. And my, my parents pretty much live in Florida in the winter time now. So, um, I guess that's kind of a, an easy one for me based on being a little bit of a Florida family now. And, and on top of that, obviously the Brady connection. Uh, Hey, before we go, uh, who won the league last year? Who's the defending champ? Who will be entering the draft room with the belt? Honestly, I'm not exactly, I don't remember who won last year. Um, let me look that up for you real quick. (laughs) These are the important things we need to get to here on Winnipeg sports talk with the, with Andrew cop. Oh, that may have actually ended the interview when he went to check things out on the bit. Well, we'll see if he comes back and does it. Uh, really fun chat, though, with Andrew as he uh, gets ready to tee off, taking a little bit of time for us here in Winnipeg. Oh, he's back. Uh, yeah, I figured that might happen if you were checking it out. Uh, what uh, What does the historical records of the Jets Fantasy League have for us, Andrew? Oh, damn, we lost him. Well, we'll see whether we can we can get it back again. Probably pins and needles for everyone uh, wondering. Uh, we'll, we'll get the information at some point. We'll follow that when we talk to the guys throughout the year here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But uh, uh, great stuff with Andrew Kopp. Obviously looking forward to uh, getting back at it with the Winnipeg Jets. And a really interesting situation for him personally in that the one-year deal maybe wasn't the first choice, but it does afford him an incredible opportunity next summer as an unrestricted free agent. Um, and he will certainly be a huge, huge part of this Winnipeg Jets team going into next year. And as we talked about, I mean, uh, don't be uh, holding your breath on any sort of trade for Andrew Kopp, because if that happens, that's a very bad sign for the Winnipeg Jets, because I think this deal, getting him signed for one more year and seeing what happens after that is a commitment that, you know, they want all hands on deck to see what this group can do together for a full season with the additions on the blue line. So big thanks to Andrew Kopp, Commissioner Kopp, for joining us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Yeah. Remo, man, we've had some guys join us from some interesting uh, locales. Um, Cop sounded great, though, doing it from the golf cart. And then, of course, yesterday was Nate Schmidt live from Target Field watching the Twins. Yeah, he's rocking the uh, AirPods there. Sounded great. So uh, technology. He's, I think Appleton kind of looked like he was like post-golf, too, or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, we do appreciate all these guys like making an incredible effort to join us from wherever – Wherever they they may be, so uh, awesome. Uh, too bad we couldn't get like a live shot of him teeing off or something. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Well, uh, hey, you know we want to thank uh, definitely thank Scott Brown and um, the uh, the guys at the Winnipeg Jets for uh, making that happen. They've been very kind to us, and I know the feedback's been great with all the players. And you know, generally, there is so much excitement about this hockey team going into the upcoming year. And I think that would be the case anyways. Um, with the fact that fans weren't allowed to be at games for the last year plus. But when you think about the talent that the Jets already had and, and you know, the win over Edmonton was something that I think, you know, many people, despite what happened against the Montreal Canadiens, a lot of Jet fans will hold on to that one for a while, considering the star cross history of the Jets going up against the Oilers in the playoffs before. But then with the additions in the offseason, um, you know, it has really cranked up the anticipation. Certainly, I hope it's helping fill the building when it comes to ticket sales for the upcoming year. Uh, but the bottom line is that, you know, when this team hits the ice, even for the preseason, but for that home opener against the Ducks in October, um, the place will be full. It'll be loud. It'll be fully vaccinated, Remus. Um, and there will be hopes, excitement, and expectations, I think, unlike maybe that we've seen since um, the run to the finals in 2018. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And I heard uh, ooh, uh, Frank. I was watching Frank Cervalli's Instagram live with him and Kevin Weeks, and these guys were just gushing over the Jets. Uh, they couldn't believe. Oh, did I Weeks love. Do any more? Did Weeks do any more Maurice impersonations? No, I was. Did he talk about it? That's how I was watching. No, he didn't talk about <laughs> that. He just talked about how much he loved um, Brendan Dillon and how they're fired up about him. Great, you know, how he's a great teammate, but also a great player. Um, and the additions they've made. So I like the Jets. You were telling me before the show, Huss, that if you really like the Jets and don't want to get into them, now is the time because their odds for the Cup are quite favorable if you, you know what? Let's think get that they to have this a chance. Right. Let's get to right before we get to our daily lines for the CFL. I did, I was looking at this last night at coolbet.com. Uh, and I went on Odd Shark first. And Odd Shark is a great site just to kind of compare odds. I mean, it's when you're doing something like a futures bet. Um, you may as well make it and get the best number that you can. And the Jets on most books, anywhere from 33 to 1 to win the cup to 40 to 40 to 1 to win the cup. So, I mean, still a pretty significant, you know, long shot, uh, which is always fun if you're going to put 20 bucks on it and down. The cool bet number, though, it blew me away considering what we've seen in so many other spots. The Jets' line to win the cup <laughs> is 50 to 1. How are they the same as Vancouver? Who's making these? That's a mistake. We've always talked about it. The Jets are always somewhat overlooked because our fan base is so small. And to be frank, a lot of people don't pay very much attention to the Winnipeg Jets until they do something that warrants it. So all I'm saying is if you're one of those people that likes to, you know, throw 10 bucks on your team to win the cup, or you think that the Jets have done enough that they're a legitimate contender, uh, the number you see right now at Coolbet fifty to one is the best number you'll be seeing, I think, anywhere. And I would imagine that will probably go down as we get closer to training camp when more people sort of look at these lines and realize, uh, wait a second, that doesn't really seem to make sense. How are they the same as Calgary and Vancouver and <laughs> Chicago? They're better than those teams. Come on, Calgary was <laughs> I, awful last year. I and they didn't. So. And we all thought Calgary was going to make some changes, and they didn't change anything. They lost Giordano. And I don't think they added, didn't, oh yeah, they added the big free agent from um, Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman, yeah. So, but uh, like how, I think the Jets are better than those teams. Um, so, yeah, I would, As I like to say, 50 to 1? Worth the sprinkle, and it'll be fun. Why to, not? Uh, fun to follow it. Throughout Five the years, bucks. So. Who cares? Like how much do you I need? Got, Throw I got twenty. There, I got. I got in there last night on it. So at fifty to one. And if you have not bet at Cool Bet before, uh, you can use promo code WST. It'll give you one hundred percent bonus up to two hundred dollars on your first deposit. So you can put a little touch on the Jets if you want to win the cup. You can also. Get in on the Canadian Football League lines. And we sort of mentioned there was some pretty significant line movement over the course of the week. And a big part of that has been on the Bomber-Argonaut game. This game opened up with Bombers five-point favorites. And the total in the game was an abnormally low 41.5. Well, it seems like there's been some money coming in on the Argos. Bombers now just three-and-a-half-point favorites. And the total has gone up four to 45 and a half. So hopefully you watched the lock shop yesterday if you were getting on the over and got on at that point when it had just moved from 41 and a half to 42. Uh, but there has been a big, big movement. A big movement as well in this Elks-Lions game. 
Uh, earlier, it was a four-point spread in favor of BC. Now it's three, and I think 45 and a half early on. Now it's gone up to 48. Uh, just when we saw the numbers as low as they were, Remus, on Monday, when it, you had to think that they'd be going up somewhat. Uh, I will say, though, I'm surprised that of all games, the Bomber-Argo game is the one that's rocket it up. I mean, a four-point movement on a spread is is quite significant. Yeah, and another big movement spread was the uh, Alouettes, who I think opened as like a one-point favorite or even an underdog, and are now oh, wow. five-point favorites. So we said earlier in the week, uh, I think I bet it on the show, said, hey, I mean, this is not correct here, especially we knew Bo Levi was injured. And now you they're- called it- Plus yeah. money, plus money on Monday. I think yeah. we put it in, and I got it yesterday at minus 115 on the money line. The money line is now minus 227 yes. for the Montreal Alouettes. So hopefully you got in on that early. Um, and that's one of the fun things about doing a daily show. We can sort of look at these odds when they come out. And for people that this do is, want to get on it, try and get a much better number before they change and sort of bottom out. This is just math, guys. This is gambling arbitrage. And uh, <laughs> we were right. That we were, we guessed right. I don't think that was a guess. That was just a uh, wise call from, you know, we uh, do watch the games as well as, you know, look at the uh, stat sheets. <laughs> I, I am looking forward to um, lock tonight, 9 o'clock. We do have that late game, BC Edmonton. I'm kind of curious, like, which Mike Riley are we going to get? The one who can throw the ball like last game? It seems like his arm is better and um Edmonton I mean can they get into the end zone here they've been really disappointing so I kind of like BC here minus three at home uh I'm looking forward to the game tonight as well and oh by the way I'm just checking out there is one spot left in the DraftKings contest oh, no. it just yeah. felt oh did it it filled um, um during the Marshall uh thing so it's oh full. okay I must have had this you got okay, well anyways, you got to hit refresh luck. Good luck to everybody that is in. I'll get my lineup done at some point before kickoff tonight. Uh, and then tomorrow on the program, we will uh, definitely talk about Bombers and Argos from both sides of the football. And you know what else I'm really looking forward to, Reem? I mean, it's been great having the Jet guys join us today, kind of on the uh, this, this week on the offseason, because there really hasn't been much hockey news per se. Uh, there has been lots going on in the National Football League, and it is about time for the return of Hacksaw and the NFL Notebook tomorrow. I cannot wait for a trip around NFL training camps with the latest from the legend himself, the great Lee Hacksaw. Yeah, he sent me his notes, so we'll have his his full notebook. Uh, I'm excited for Hacksaw. It's a good time to bring it out here before NFL preseason. We've got our fantasy drafts. I know he's in San Diego, too. Maybe we can touch on a uh, little Padres uh, because that, uh, I believe the NL West with the Dodgers and Padres and Giants are having a good season. Um, some playoff races. I know, I know we're the focused Giants on the Blue Jays here. In, the Giants have been in first place for yeah. most of the year and are still three games up on the Dodgers and 12 games up on the Padres. And so they're 78 and 43. And I think everyone was predicting this would be a two-horse race between the Dodgers and Padres with all the money that they spent on the staffs. So, I mean, this San Francisco gear has been, uh, frankly, incredible. And they have not let up. Still 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, staying ahead of the Dodgers. Well, the Dodgers have been on a tear at 9-1. and one. Um, Padres not playing very well lately. They are 3-7 uh, and seven in their last 10. 
but still 11 games above 500 and looking good for a wild card spot, although it could definitely be tight going into the race. Tough one for the Jays yesterday. Um, you know, that's a real lost opportunity going into DC, Remo, and uh, dropping a couple L's to the lowly Nats who traded away pretty much their entire team except for Juan Soto. Yes, uh, that is very disappointing. You have to win. If you want to get back in this race, you got to win these games. Um, so, and when you're playing against, you know, the Nationals, again, who've traded so many dudes, um, it, I think it's very disappointing. So the Jays, I can pull up their thing right now. Here we are. Uh, what are they looking at here? What are they? <laughs> Ten games back and four games back of the wild card. So they're... They're struggling. You know, their run differential says that they should be way higher. I know Boston is kind of fading, um, but they're going to have to play very uh, very high per- winning percentage ball here at the end if they want to get there. But four games, you got... Season goes until, like, October 3rd, I think. So there, there's definitely time if they get on a heater. But George Springer going down, dropping games to the Nationals, who are... Where are they in the standings? At the bottom? Not, not ideal. They're right down there with the Marlins, and that's not a good neighborhood to be in. Um, just looking, um, who was it? Uh, where was this comment that I just saw? Uh, oh, yeah, Leslie Mitchnuck. What up, Leslie? Jesse Granger article on The Athletic has Jets at 40 to 1. That's plus 4,000 to win the cup, which is actually worse than the odds. He quotes from 719 of 35 to 1. People sort of just forgot about the Winnipeg Jets in the offseason and probably haven't been paying attention. So, as I said, I'm just throwing that out there. If you are a person that likes to put a little small bet on the Jets to win the cup, this is the time to do it because you're not going to get 50 to 1 anywhere else. And shout out to Cool Bet for always having the best lines. Hey, Light Man, what's going on? Best sports show on the net. We appreciate it. Um, I haven't even said this, but if you do like the show, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Always helps us. And uh, make sure you're subscribed if you're not here with us each and every day. Um, a couple of other things, uh, just while we're talking baseball, I, I, we've got to bring up Otani. Otani last night hit his, was it his 40th home run yes. of the year while pitching eight innings of, I believe one run ball. What this man is doing this year is unprecedented. I believe Babe Ruth's largest home run total ever when he was pitching was 34, um, to be leading the league and one of the top pitchers in the AL is something that may never be done again. Although I think he's sort of, you know, such a trailblazer that, you know, individuals will try and do it going forward. But the amazing season for Vladdy Guerrero, MVP worthy in almost any other year, but not in a year where Shohei Otani is completely rewriting the book on what's possible for a Major League Baseball pitcher at the plate. Yeah, it's uh, incredible. So, yeah, runaway MVP. We're not going to hear, well, you know, his team didn't make the playoffs, so you can't be an MVP. I mean, how good are you if your team isn't in the playoffs, Huss? But the Angels, I don't know whatever what it is about them. Uh, they got the two generational players, and Mike Trope been the best player in baseball for the last, like, eight years. Otani, you know, once in a lifetime, once in maybe two or three lifetime player, uh, best, you know, <laughs> Leading the league in homers and pitching, being a top pitcher. And there they are, uh, 10 games out of first and seven and a half game of the wild card. Uh, it's really disappointing to have that talent and not be able to put a team together. 
So uh, no, yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, just one other uh, Otani note, and this had nothing to do with Otani, but an absolutely idiotic thing done by former Tiger great Jack Morris, who was a broadcaster, and I say was because I'm not sure whether he's coming back into the booth after. Um, he essentially mocked an Asian accent when asked about what he would do if he was going up against Otani. It was tone deaf. It was stupid. Um, it was, I mean, mind boggling to have that happen to someone in the media in 2021. And uh, Bali Sports Detroit has just put out that they're experimentally disappointed with the remarks that Jack Morris made at the Tigers game. He's been suspended indefinitely from Tigers broadcasts and will be undergoing bias training to educate him on the impact of his comments and how he can be a positive influence in a diverse community. We have a zero tolerance policy for bias or discrimination and deeply apologize for his insensitive re remark. Uh, there was uh, another rebuke from the Detroit Tigers as well. And um, you wonder, and I kind of, I didn't chuckle about this because, I mean, it's, you know, it's not funny. It was stupid. But this, of course, is, Remus, the one-year anniversary of the infamous Tom Brenneman apology for, I believe he made some homophobic slurs that were caught on a hot mic, and in the middle of his apology, Nick Castellanos went yard against the Royals, and um, it ended up being the most awkward apology probably in the history of sports broadcasting. Yeah, the Jack Morris thing... Um... You can't say that. What so. an idiot. It was a, a very unnecessary, insensitive, like it was so like dumb. Like, so yeah, they made the right call suspending him indefinitely. And the Tom Brenneman one, I mean, he made a ridiculous comment as well that you should never be saying. And for a home run to happen uh, during his apology, um, really took it. I'll just say it took it to the next a level and he i think he's been broadcasting like high school games i think he went like he out went to of puerto rico or yeah, the dominican the afterwards so it was yeah dumb guys being really uh, i apologize i'm a man of faith yeah. Cassiano drives a deep ball into left field and that's a home run as he ran the bases I'm yeah. not sure if I'm ever going to be back in this booth again. <laughs> I can oh, do it. I watched it again a couple times today. Um, again, DGC, folks, don't get canceled. And don't be an idiot uh, when it comes down to it. Um, and I'll just say one thing on the Jack Morris thing. Uh, and I think as a culture and a society, we've gone, you know, gone late years ahead when it comes to tolerance and accepting diversity and all that. But I think what happened there is, is a very... Uh, important reminder of something that we've been reminded through, I think, the entire pandemic of anti-Asian racism and just how casual I think it has been um, and tolerated a lot more than, you know, racism against other, you know, whether it be people of color or, or women or people on sexual orientation. So unfortunately, you have to have some of these examples to maybe to shine a light on it right now. But um, anyways, I'm not sure what happens to Jack Morris going forward, but I think it's an important lesson for a lot of people that something that you may have done in the past that you, you heard that you thought was harmless, maybe isn't harmless or isn't harmless. I'll say that to a lot of other people. So uh, best to think before you speak, as uh, as your parents told you when you were growing up. Um what else do we need to hit yeah. before the end of the program? I, I want to hit, I wanna hit, hit one thing. thing. This, uh, okay, you can hit your gallon. This happened during the show. So we kind of haven't really touched on this, that a couple weeks ago, um, you know, Jack Eichel, he's been in the news a lot. Everyone thinks he's going to get traded. We talked about the neck thing. Well, he signed up for Twitter. And
and uh, he is at Jack Eichel. So when he signed up, I think it was the team said, no, 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 this isn't Jack Eichel's Twitter. Someone said that it wasn't, and here, I'll pull up the tweet. Then he came out and said, actually, confirmed, this is not a fake account. Source, being me, Jack Eichel. So (laughs) that was August 6th. So he hasn't sent any, any tweets since that. And so then today, an hour ago, he sent this tweet. Uh, I don't know. What emoji is that? Like, Uh-oh. oh, it says unamused face emoji. That's all. <laughs> that's all Jack Eichel said. Uh, 1.29 PM. So like an hour and a half ago. Um, I don't know. A lot you... of action. A lot of likes. A lot of quote tweets. Yeah. What do you make a lot from of that? RTs? Uh, well, he's pissed off that he hasn't been traded yet and he's getting impatient and he's waiting and he wants to have his surgery and he wants to get back on the ice and it's all at a complete standstill right now. This is a disastrous situation. It's a disaster for Jack. It's a disaster for the Buffalo Sabres. It's not good for the National Hockey League. Um, there's really no winners right now in this. And I, I, you know, we'll get one of the insiders on in the next couple of weeks as the guys get off holidays and we get closer to the beginning of training camps. I really wonder how long this standstill um, continues, Reem, because I mean, I think Buffalo knows that they're going to be terrible this year. Um, if they don't have to pay Jack Eichel, I'm sure they'd be fine with that. Now, they do if he is injured, but I'm sure that they're, I, there's probably a lot of lawyering up right now between the team, agents, getting people from the league and the PA involved in right now because, um, you know, nothing's happening. He's not having the surgery that he wants. He's not having the surgery the team wants, and he's still on the uh, off the ice. And it's going to be a number of months before, regardless of what happens, before he's able to get back on the ice. And what that means for his trade value, well, it's obviously really diminished it. And that's why Buffalo hasn't made a trade up until this point. And who knows? We might be getting some more angry or unamused emojis coming out of at Jack Eichel verified account going forward after today. Yeah, if only he had Alan Walsh as his agent, then he wouldn't have to get his own Twitter account and uh, he would just have Alan Walsh <laughs> be like the Paul Heyman of uh, NHL agents. Be like, my client, Jack Eichel, <laughs> demands a trade, <laughs> is not amused at what is going on. And so we were talking, like, if you're trading for Jack Eichel, like, what are you even giving up for him? I think we talked about this yesterday. Didn't we talk about this yesterday with Ken? Someone we talked about it with? Yeah, absolutely. Who said, like, and it's not going to be, you know, your standard player prospect oh, it was Gary. pick. Oh, it was Gary. Yeah, it was Gary. Thank you. Uh, it's not going to be. And I agree. Like, what would you trade for him? And I saw, like, someone um, put up a, a poll. It was like, would you trade Shifley for Jack Eichel? I was like, no. I mean, this guy's hurt. You don't know what his deal is. You don't know if he needs surgery, how long he's going to be out for. So I probably wouldn't trade for him, even if you are one of those teams with a lot of cap space, like Vegas, who we speculated on, or... Uh, the Rangers, we've speculated on. Oh. Minnesota, who's now like bought out those two guys for nothing. So uh, we will wait and see. Yeah, no doubt. One other hockey note, and Wish has an interesting piece in ESPN on the uh, jersey ads, the details of it, what they'll be able to do. There's going to be one ad per jersey, the left-right shoulders or the left-right chest, alcohol, tobacco, weed, and porno sponsors are banned <laughs> But uh, but gambling ads will be allowed. And uh, man, think of how far we've come, Remus. I mean, there was a time even five years ago where you couldn't mention anything to do with betting amongst the National Hockey League. Now it's getting legalized, you know, across North America. And as expected, 
could be a major, major source of revenue going forward, including from an advertising perspective, speculation that some of these jersey deals could actually be more lucrative for teams than the naming rights deals of their buildings. Yeah, great story by Greg Wyshynski. I think I retweeted it from my own account. Uh, The link to my account is in the uh, description of this video. But... I, I think it's good for the teams, to be honest. Like, as much as it sucks, I mean, they lost a lot of... They didn't play in front of fans last year, so they need to make up this revenue. It basically said the pandemic accelerated this, and they've been talking about it for a while. And, I mean, if you want to buy a jersey, you, you'll be able to buy one without a without a logo. But if you're a big jersey guy and you want to wear the one the players wear, I think you'll have that option, too, if you want to rep, you know, whatever brand uh, your thing is. So... Um, we'll see how this goes. I'm curious, you know, what teams are, if all the teams are going to take advantage or some teams won't. And I'm, I'm sure the big, you know, national teams, uh, like the Rangers or, you know, Canadians, Leafs, the big money teams will be getting a nice, uh, bump. I think it was the Pittsburgh executives quoted saying, yeah, this is going to be huge for us. Get an extra like six mil. And I guess we'll wait and see what it is. I mean, I think the common thing would be to go to like what the arena naming rights. Maybe they want to get that too. Um, we'll see, but yes, no, Joe, yeah, Joe from Winnipeg. Yeah. I mean, as far as we know, Trojan condoms, all good. I mean, if they want to step up and uh, get on the Jersey, one of the NHL teams, I don't believe that is banned. Um, yeah, no alcohol, no tobacco, no weed, no porn. I mean, that basically is, uh, you know, the four categories that they uh, don't want on their jerseys. There might mm-hmm. be a way for Can teams to take money from those companies otherwise. Well, there certainly is, certainly from the alcohol side of things. They're pouring a lot of beers in these buildings. But as far as the actual jersey, um, they won't go that way. And I'm fascinated to see kind of what the, uh, you know, what player, especially considering that gambling companies are allowed to be involved in the connection for it, especially with the team for fans that want to bet on that team. Um, will be very interesting to see how many of those deals in year one, Remus, are in fact from that industry as opposed to some of the other big names we know that are very active in general sports sponsorships. Oh, it's going to be like Bell on like half the Canadian team's jerseys, Rogers. I'll tell you, Bell, Rogers, Scotiabank. It won't be any like cool companies like, uh, I don't know, DQ or not Autocore. Do you? Speaking or, uh, of which, Nick Nick's in the chat right now. Nick's saying, "What's up? Uh, hey, ordering some new uniforms. Can I get you to a visor to wear in the air? Yeah. Like maybe just the full DQ uniform. It'll be look like I just <laughs> came from came from making blizzards over at St. Anne's or Polo Park, right into Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, yeah. We definitely love that. Uh, we'll definitely talk with. Uh, I with said, Nick. Let, send me a DM, Nick. I don't want to yeah, talk. Yeah. <laughs> you can have a personal conversation off." Off stream, we don't need to have it right now. Shout out to our great sponsor, Nick and Nikki. Uh, there may be a blizzard in the uh, in the future, maybe tonight. Um, but get a minute. I don't think the weather's going to be very nice. We're finally getting this rain everyone's been hoping for, and it looks like it's going to yeah. be a ton coming up tomorrow into Saturday. Hopefully that doesn't scuttle the golf plans for the weekend. I know a lot of people planning on getting out there. We'll see what things look like uh, like tomorrow. Um, speaking of tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a great show. We will get you ready for the Bombers and Argonauts. Uh, We'll talk about tonight's game in the Canadian Football League. Our pal Dustin Nielsen, he'll be calling that one tonight on TSN. And the return of Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Hacksaw's notebook coming up as well today. So uh, up tomorrow in the program. So should be a great way to finish up a busy week on Winnipeg Sports Talk heading into the weekend. 
Um, well, Nick's here. I'll thank him first. Shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ and the rest of our family of sponsors, including Little Brown Jug, Canadian Club, Royal Sports, Paramount Services Limited, Not Autocore, Boston Pizza, Breezy Bend Country Club, Assiniboia Downs, and Cool Bet Canada. Folks, we will see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit that like button uh, on your way out if you haven't already. And uh, spread the word. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. right here on WST Daily. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.